Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. You are now listening to the SMC Wrestling Podcast with your boys, the smart, Caleb Baldwin, the mark, Carl Irvin, and the contrarian, Rance Morris. Believe in the pod. Hello and welcome to the SMC Wrestling Podcast. The date is January 9, 2018. I am your host, Caleb Baldwin, along with... Rance Morris, of course, our resident contrarian. Rance, how are you? I'm good, man. I, I, I wonder, did, did, did you guys miss us? It's been so long. Like, I feel <laughs> like we're the forgotten son of Social Suplex. I I know, and I actually i am glad you said that, because I need to give you guys a little uh, explanation as to why I was gone, you know? They might have said, oh, he was, you know, working overnights or whatever. The reality is our now former producer, Hutch, he oh, locked me God. in a closet We're with my this? phone and my laptop, but not my headset, so I couldn't do the podcast. So that's kind of what I had going on. That's and, real. Uh, that's real TNA is from like 2005, bro. That's that's pretty weird. Well, uh, that's like 2009 TNA, but uh, we're actually <laughs> today, guys. We're changing it up, man. We're not going to be talking much WWE if at all, but we're talking Wrestle Kingdom. And here to talk Wrestle Kingdom with us, unfortunately, Carl is not here. We have in his stead from Keeping It Strong Style, also on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, Josh Smith. The, the young boy. Not the young boy. Nope, nope. I got a new nickname for him. He <laughs> oh, earned okay. it last year. The Vigilante Josh Smith, Admin of the Year. Come Josh, on, what's been up, man? So I'm, I'm graduating from young lion status. I'm getting my own gimmick now. Well, yeah, you're... you're Yes, you are a switchblade. You've been a young lion for a long ass time. You should have been and got a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, man, what's up? I'm uh, glad to be on the show. I'm uh, conferencing in live from uh, Strong Style Central, so uh, I'm glad to, be on the, glad to be on the show. For the, for the record, I feel I need to say this. We've owed Josh just for like three months because he was on another episode <laughs> a long ass time ago. Yes, he was, on, he was on the out. lost episode, yes. <laughs> So we have owed him this, and for the record, there's not many people I know in my circle who knows more Japanese and New Japan wrestling than him. So um, he was a guy, if any, I would want to be on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the thing is, guys, I'm, I don't know that much about Japanese wrestling. I'm just a master worker. You guys are getting worked <laughs> by me. Well, don't hey. Don't don't oh, don't uh don't put the veil over my like I want the veil over my eyes like don't yeah, show you me just how pull it works. back the curtain man don't we do don't it. need that no this is this is a shoot interview okay <laughs> peeling back this is a shoot interview oh boy okay if it's a shoot interview if it's a shoot interview I have to ask the one question that always gets asked how big is Batista's dick <laughs> <laughs> oh and and who goes in the whole bag. What? Yes. The whole bag. <laughs> oh Yo, my god, I love it. When we did when we did the uh the the mailbag, um Jeremy didn't want to answer your question about how big Suzuki's dick was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I blame him. I cannot say I blame him. <laughs> uh Rance, I'm gonna let you take the lead, man, and I will follow along. So of of the three of us at SMC, 
you fans listening, I'm pretty sure I'm the least one you guys would think would watch Wrestle Kingdom. But I'm the only one that actually watched the entire show. So, um, Caleb watched the, the, uh, kind of... I watched the Axis feed. Yeah, but I actually subscribed to New Japan Pro, uh, New Japan World a month early, actually, and, you know... Wow. Yeah, a month early. I I subscribed in December. I wanted to really kind of dive in, and I watched some other stuff. I watched, uh, some of the G1 and some of the World Tag League. I really wanted to give it a chance, you know? Like, I pay attention to it, but I've never really watched it like that centralized so you know okay, you're one of the you're one of the reported uh the 25k that they increased over absolutely absolutely yeah. and for the record for those of you who haven't subscribed that are looking to they literally pulled the money out like that morning on the first like i saw my shit i saw the statement i was like damn they are very serious about their money uh, <laughs> but uh yeah man so if we run down the card uh i'm gonna be honest with you I wa- the the rumble was on. I wasn't paying much attention to it. Like I saw Tokyo Latina, and then that was really all I paid oh. attention to. Yeah, I love Tokyo Latina. Oh my god! You you got to explain <laughs> to me these the what do they call them the New Japan dads the Kakihara and Tenzin and all these other guys. Like I don't know the relevance of those. But, I'm sure they were big time guys back like 10, 20 years ago. Well, yeah. So you obviously you know Yuji Nagata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Debbie, Debbie yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what I know him from. I'm a WCW fan. Yeah, there's a really funny uh, promo during the uh, the World Tag League where Sammy Callahan was like, "Who are we wrestling tomorrow?" He's like, <laughs> "Eugene Nagata from WCW." <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he like He's talking like, about he played with him on the video game or something? Yeah, and then he was like, uh, he was like, he's like a uh, freaking what's his name again? Oh yeah, he's like Eugene Nagata. When you come to the when you come tomorrow, you better not bring Sonny Ono. <laughs> oh but, my uh, god. So essentially the the deal with, with them, it's the, the New Japan dads or the, they call them the third generation. It's uh Nakanishi, Tenzan, um, Nagata, and Kojima. And the four of them are all considered from the same, like, they're all peers. So it'd basically be like if you were talking about Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, and, like, Mankind. Or, or the class Not, of 2002. Or the class of 2002. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar. So uh, at, at a certain point, like, Kojima actually was at one point kind of, like, considered the ace of all Japan. Oh, was he? Was a, he yeah, he was a guy that, like defected from new he started new japan he defected with uh muto when muto took over in all japan as the president he he went over there he actually is one of the only two people ever that held the the all japan triple crown and the iwgp title simultaneously oh damn yeah he i think he did that in 06 or 05 one or the other um also so and nagata was like basically the ace of new japan during their dark ages. Okay. So like the he 90s, kind of, maybe? no. So like after the nineties, um, Hiroshi Hase was kind of considered like the top star and it kind of transitioned over to Nagata, but business was at an all time low. They call it the dark ages. And he was kind of the ace between that time up until, uh, uh, Tanahashi essentially. Um, and then also Tenzan was as well. Tenzan was like, it's kind of like how, you know, Rock and Austin, who's the top guy, was 
similar. It was like, who's the top guy, Tenzan or Nagata during that time period? Realistically, it was it uh, Nagata, but Tenzan was kind of like the fan favorite, like the more loved guy. Okay. Um, and then Tenzan and Kojima have a tag team called Tenkozi, which essentially yeah. is like, that's that's maybe one of the all-time greatest tag teams in Japanese history. I mean, they're they're the most decorated Japanese tag team of of modern times. So they're like it's a legendary combination, but they're all beat down now. They're all really old but are still going. And then Nakanishi too, he uh he was a former IWGP uh titleist, really 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 strong guy in his time. He's he's the most beat down out of all of them at this point. Okay. Um Never like a great performer, but he's kind of like the the fourth string to the rest of those three guys. Um, power lifter, but he's been he. They all train in the dojo, so they're all really really well respected. They're they're seen as like the fathers of New Japan and uh, okay, you know that sort of thing. Um, uh, Kaki is not part of it. Okay, uh, he so he didn't wrestle for from, New Japan. He did, yeah. So he did. He uh, I believe I don't know if he started in New Japan or if he started in UWF. But he was a shoot style guy, and he he kind of uh, went between the different companies. And eventually, um, the only thing I don't I'm not familiar with his work to be honest with you. Even though I, I know a bit about shoot style, he um, is basically they brought him back as like a because he is fighting or bare, like overcoming cancer essentially. Right, right. Which was a feel good moment when if you spoiler alert if you haven't known by now he won. But um, it was feel good moment with him winning. I wanted to ask you, who would you, if you would have had the book, who would you have picked to have won? Please say cheeseburger. <laughs> I don't and get the well, cheeseburger thing, man. Maybe it's just I don't watch Ring of Honor enough. I don't understand it. Like, I, I get dude is, like, as big as my left arm, but, like, people love um, the guy. Well, the new, the new Japan Rumble is seen as pretty inconsequential, so it's not really a big deal. Like, Nagata won it the first year. And it wasn't like a career boost. It was just a, a moment. Gato won it the next year. Not a big deal. Elgin, Elgin won, won last year, right? Uh, Elgin won it last year, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking Bushi just because... Um, it was supposed he, to be a New Japan... It was supposed to be a LIJ coronation. That exactly. didn't happen. Um, I don't know. I could have I could have seen maybe even putting it uh, on... What, what? Why am I forgetting names? Uh, Kitamura. Okay, is that the young lion? Was that the young lion, yeah. the real big young lion? But he's I mean, he's got to be going could... on excursion soon. I I would imagine since he won. They haven't announced that he's going on excursion, but what he said uh, after he won the uh, the young lions like cup, he said that he wants to go to America, and then he's doing right now. They're doing a special seven match series. Okay. His first match was with Jay White at New Year's Dash, and he lost. And his next match is against Elgin at uh, at the New Beginning. That's a lot of beef, yo. That's a lot yeah, of beef. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to job out on all the matches. And the the idea, I think, is after he does the seven matches, he's going to go overseas and probably go on excursion. He um, The thing with it, though, is you know, Young Lions don't really get one-on-one matches with top stars, like, ever. So the fact that he's doing a seven-match series is a, is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't seen this dude, he's the Japanese Brock Lesnar. Like, it's ridiculous how big this dude is. He he is huge, absolutely. Yeah. And he's athletic. Like, he's not just, like, he's not big. He's not Mason Ryan. He's yeah. not Vladimir Kozlov. No, like, he could actually move. It's, it's I've seen a little of his stuff. It's, it's impressive. Um, 
So we got the New Japan Rumble that um, Kakihara, don't ask me to say his first name, uh, he won, which is a feel-good <laughs> moment. Uh, but so let's get to the let's get to the show. So I've been a I've always been a, uh, I don't want to say a, a big detractor of the Bucks, but I've always had issues with them. Um, and I know they I know they can wrestle. Like clearly, the money they draw Seven and the times. position they have, clearly they can wrestle. But they sent they they seem to like to go for more spot heavy stuff. But I watched this match and I was so impressed because it was genuinely a beautifully told story. The feud they have a Rocky Romero going back what three four years probably longer than that. Rapunzel Vice longer and, than that. And what was then the future hooligans? It was that or forever hooligans. Forever, right? I believe it's forever hooligans. Yeah. Yeah, With like him and Alexander Kozlov. Yeah, like that's going back years. Uh, and now Rocky's kind of a coach now, if you will, for Rapunzel 3K. And, you know, so with them having to take him out because he was coaching them and with, was it Matt that took the bad fall? No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt, because I, I mean, I get, I get, we were laughing about JR not knowing the difference between the two. I don't either. I can't really say anything. But the fall that Homeboy took. And even what was it, Yo, that took the fall himself? Yeah, I'm I'm impressed you you caught that because I always confuse Show and Yo. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. The only reason I know the difference is because I listened to Keeping the Strong Style today. Plug, <laughs> plug. Uh, but no, I I I think it was a, a expertly wrestled match. It wasn't you know anything that you know would be on your best of list ten years from now. But it was a really good opener, a really good story told. Of course, the Bucks won. They should have won. They always win. But I, my first question for you, Josh, is why are the Bucks still junior tag team, junior heavyweights? Why aren't they're they're one of the best? Many people think the best tag team in the world. Why don't they bump them up? And I know Bullet Club has a heavy tag team in GOD, but why aren't the Bucks heavyweight tag team? I know they're I know they're they're I'm sorry, excuse me. I know they're skinny. They don't they don't weigh a lot, but still. Well, it's it's just it's the way that uh, New Japan's culture has always been. There, you know, it's tradition that if you are a junior, that you're a junior. Um, it's it doesn't necessarily mean that you're less than the the heavy. It's very similar. The best way I explain to people is like this: It's just like in MMA, mm-hmm. GSP is a welterweight mm-hmm. and he's a star, and he's not seen on the pound for pound list as being worse than. Like yeah. heavyweight champion, like King I Velasquez. You. I got you. It, it is very, it is very much seen like that. And the idea is to keep a sense of believability that, like, hey, they're the best juniors in the world, they're top stars, all that. But could they beat up? Realistically, could they beat up uh, Killer Elite Squad? Well, we're going to get to that because if you watch the match, realistically, you didn't think uh, Evil is not a good, but that, <laughs> we'll get so to that's, that. That's that's kind of the thing. Now they did challenge for the heavyweight titles. Uh, I can't remember if it, I keep saying last year in 2016. Uh, it it might have been 2015, but I think it was 2016. They challenged uh, the Briscoes, who were at the time the IWGP heavyweight tag titles. Okay. And they were trying to become double champions, so hold both belts. Okay. Um, but they've never made the full move up to heavyweight. Maybe maybe one day they will. Uh, once they have nothing left to do in the tag division, but seven-time champs are getting close. You know, New Japan. It there's very sometimes some guys. 
if they do well in, in the juniors and they have the size, they can move up like a Kenny Omega or someone Abushi. like that. Abushi and Barretta. Yeah. yeah. Right. But but sometimes, like for instance in the 90s, Liger tried to move up, and Liger's the greatest junior they ever had. And sure. he, was so in, he was so inundated as being a top junior that the fans couldn't see him as a heavyweight ever. They, okay. Like the Japanese fans. And the idea of him going up to heavyweight, they jobbed him out. He had title shots and everything, and he always lost because the storyline was he couldn't put on the weight and compete with the, the, the heavies, even though he's the best junior. Okay. I mean, see, I get that. I get that. I understand. I, uh, I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks are a great act, no, no matter how much they annoy the hell out of me. But they're I mean, a great it's, act. It's different than, like, in America, obviously, they wrestle everybody. And in Europe, they wrestle everybody. It's, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it is different. And I guess I guess it's not as big a deal seeing as they're kind of co-branded. They're signed to both. So, you know, we see them in Ring of Honor fighting War Machine or whoever they fight. You know, so... Not, not anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not anymore on the yeah. War Machine. Yeah, so... Um, uh, but yeah, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, Caleb, when you get a chance to watch that, uh, you'll enjoy the hell out of it because they told a great story. Uh, the little subtleties that they had with uh, we're gonna say Nick who didn't get hurt. We're gonna say that's Nick, right? Nick, Nick try, yeah, Nick, yeah, Nick, 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 yeah. Trying not. There to, was. Go ahead. There was a, a a move that Nick did where he ran up the ropes and then did this corkscrew flipping bullcrap onto the outside. It was one of the nut, nutsiest things I saw the out of every all the flippy moves that everybody did. It was probably the craziest spot I saw the entire night. Well, the craziest spot we're gonna get to in a couple of in a couple of matches. I, I mean, I, it might be the craziest dive, but the craziest spot was Ibushi. We'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, but uh, I want to say I'm I'm real excited to see this match, man. Um, I've never seen Rapungi 3K wrestle before. Yeah, so I was living in Virginia, and I decided to stay up all night for the first time and watch Wrestle Kingdom. And right at, like, 3 in the morning, all of a sudden, Caleb's in my DMs. He's like, what's up, bro? We watching this? And I, didn't really know, I didn't really know Caleb, and I was like, yeah, bro, let's do it. If it's one thing, if you if you guys don't know Caleb, he will hit you up at the most random-ass times. <laughs> but I appreciate it because he, he cares, you know? It'll be two no, o'clock really. in the morning, and I'll wake up to go pee and just check my phone. And he's like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" <laughs> by by the time the show ended, there is plenty of people viewing it with us. But like for the first like three or four hours, or like three hours, it was just me and me and uh, Caleb. Just like you watching this, bro? He's like, "Yeah, I'm watching it, bro." But just so you know, Josh, that's how that's how I you know generally like make friends with most anybody is I just randomly, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> no, I was telling Ask how, like, Rance here. <laughs> I was telling how like the first like three hours of the show last year it was just you and me. Yeah, it was. Like, yeah. Like, bro, you, bro, are you watching this uh this gauntlet match? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel kind of sick, like really giving the Bucks good feedback. By the way, <laughs> I'm blocked by one of them on Twitter. I never tweet. What the hell did I do to get blocked? They must listen to the podcast. You probably... You got, you, I bet you, you... Is that shoot? That, yeah, dead ass. Like, completely. I'm, I'm blocked <laughs> by one of the bucks. But if you go look at my go look at my timeline, I never tweet anything. 
So no, they got to listen to the podcast. So if you do, Nick, Matt, you, thank you for listening to your boy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yo, listen. You probably like followed Vince Russo or something. We, Yo, you, we, we it, almost had Vince Russo on the podcast. We were trying hard to get him. Really? So the guy, uh, the guy Tim Rose, who Avery from LOP, you know, we had him on our podcast, and then he had a podcast that was small, and he had all three of us individually. But the one we had, he's the biggest Vince Russo supporter outside of the dude that does the podcast with him, Jeff Lane. And, like, he knows Russo. Actually, like they, he, he is the biggest Vince Russo supporter outside of Vince Russo. But yes. go on. Yes. But, like, they've <laughs> had conversations. Like, they know it, They know each other. I mean, I'm not going to say they're, like, best friends, but they know each other. So um, after the podcast, he tweeted Jeff Lane, and Jeff and Vince listened to the podcast, at least a portion of it. And we were trying hard to get him, but it just never kind of matriculated itself. But, yeah. So, Vince Russo listening. The Young Bucks listening. You know? What can you do? Hey, if you never tweet, you can't get blocked on Twitter. My boy. Ooh. That's fair, yeah. I need to start tweeting. I need to build up uh, some, some, like, outside. Josh, I don't... I don't care if you tweet, but at least follow me so I can help out my ratio. <laughs> I would appreciate that. You don't follow anybody, do you? No. That's gangster shit. That's how you do it. Make them follow you. Uh, so the next match, uh, I'm going off. I'm going off of this from top of my head. Uh, was the never six man? Uh, yeah, it was the gauntlet. gauntlet. The gauntlet, yeah. Uh, and it started off with the chaos team. Nah, it, so it started off with um, Seki Gun, which would be War Machine and Elgin against Suzuki Gun, which was Did you call him Zach Seki? Gun? Seki. Oh, I thought you Seki. meant like they suck. I was like, damn, no, that's a hell of a way no, to no. call that's, them. That's what they're called. So in, in New Japan, anybody that's not in an actual stable, they're just considered like the random people in in New Japan. It's called Seki Gun, which really it kind of translates to like New Japan Army, okay. essentially of that okay. nature. So yeah, that's me just being Marky. I guess I should have said that. <laughs> that's okay. We introduced but, uh, you as the New Japan guy, so it's cool. But uh, yeah, essentially we got War Machine and Elgin against uh, Suzuki Goon. So that was Saber. and to start it off, right? Yeah, it was. Saber, Azuka, and uh, I think Taichi. Taichi, the crazy guy, right? No, that's Azuka. Taichi's the crappy yeah, gothic, uh, small dude, yeah, opera singer. Yeah. So I've never ever seen Azuka or Taichi. Like I've never seen any of those guys. And to see this crazy motherfucker running through the crowd with a dog collar on gave me a good ass laugh. I want you to know. <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody else enjoyed that, but like that made me laugh because that was the most Western thing I'd seen on the show to that point. Yeah, Azuka's gimmick—it's—it's it's, you know a lot taken from like the Wild Man, like the Mad Dog Vashans and yeah, you or know, Taz Butch- or ECW. Yeah, like early Taz, like Tasmaniac. Yeah, that sort of thing. Azuka sucks though, man. <laughs> yeah, you can. You, whenever you got the big ass iron glove. <laughs> As your gimmick? Here's the crazy thing about Azuka. Shout out to him. If you go online, you can find video. There's a match from uh, Tri-State Wrestling from 1991 or 1992. Him versus Owen Hart. And uh, uh, that's Joel Gerhardt's Tri-State Wrestling. That was the precursor to ECW. 
Okay. And they have like an incredible like four to like four and a half star match in this little indie back in the early nineties. Azuka used to at one point be one of the best wrestlers in the world, but he got old, man. And <laughs> but he fits with Suzuki Gun because it's really like Suzuki Shooters. and and uh well I, you you said it nice. It's Suzuki and Saber and then like a bunch of minions. What it looks like to yeah, me. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, and just crazy and guys. Killer, and Killer Elite Squad. Oh, are they part of Suzuki Gun? Goon? Yeah. Gun? Okay. See, I didn't know that. I knew they were part of. I'm. I'm. I can't keep up with everybody in all the stables. It's so many people. You know. You know. Shelton Benjamin was part of Suzuki Gun. Shelton X Benjamin. I know that. Shelton yeah. X Benjamin. <laughs> I don't know where the X came from, but I remember that. Um. Uh, that's what's up. Okay. So those. I, those guys wrestled. I, I know you hate I know you hate Saber, but he's a fucking snake, bro. Like the way he slithers on people and shit, it's the craziest shit in the world. Um, You're saying I hate Saber? Don't you you don't like Saber, right? I don't I don't hate Saber. I don't love Saber either. I've seen I, I'll I'll give Saber all the the props in the world. I've seen him have five star bro. His matches in 2015 with uh, Roderick Strong were like both match of the year contenders, five five star affairs. Yeah. It's just that sometimes he sucks. Okay. Is it the style? Is it just the style yeah. he wrestles? The thing is, I'm a big fan of, of World of Sport, and he can do that style, but everyone thinks that what he does is World of Sport style, and it's really not. It's well, a lot like of people this, don't watch it. A lot of people don't know what World of Sport style is, like me. They I've just think they it. just say it's like British style, and they're like, oh, it's that British World of Sport style. I'm like, nah, man. You have to really watch. It's not. But like, I, I think he's good. It's just sometimes like some of his offense and some of the uh, stuff he does. What I don't like and this is just me personally, he'll put people in moves that like, he's supposed to be this incredible wrestler, but it, a lot of it's not really believable the way that like other mat technicians, it seems believable. He'll put guys in holds. That's like, you should be breaking their arm yeah. right now yeah. to be over. And it just keeps going and going. And I'm, I don't know. Well, plus some, sometimes he can be really boring, but when he's good, he's really, really good. To your point. Uh, I know this is going on a bit of a tangent, but uh, the match he had with Juice at the G1 in LA, he the way he had Juice's arm, he, it should have been broke. But Juice that might. match, that match was really good. His match with uh, Ishii at the G1 was really good. Yeah, I was really I was really surprised that they let him go that far in the tournament as he did. But again, that was the G1. My first ever New Japan show I watched was was the Wrestle Kingdom 10 was with uh, the first Okada Tanahashi match and uh, Nakamura and Ibushi. That was 10, right? Was that 9? Nine? 9. That was 9. And that's the one that uh, Global Force Wrestling, they uh, put on pay-per-view. Yeah. Right? That's yep. the, that's the, that was my first ever New Japan show I actually watched all together. And then the G1 was probably my second full show that I actually watched both nights. So, you know, I'm, I didn't really watch Sabre outside of that in the – Cruiserweight Classic, so I'm still I'm trying to get to know these guys, and I mean you watch Saber once you get the style, but some of the stuff he does, like you said, looks great. Some of the stuff he does looks, yeah. If you can if you can get your hands on either his uh his match with uh, Roderick Strong from Pro Wrestling Gorilla in 2015 or the rematch in Evolve from 2015, okay. both of them are just man incredible incredible matches. Oh, speaking of Evolve, me and Caleb and Carl were at uh, his match with Cassius Ono or Chris Hero 
Hero's last match at yep. the in San Antonio. And that was a really cool match because they beat the fuck out of each other. Like, it was, like, some serious shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... Uh, Suzuki, uh, Suzuki Gun jumped them. They, they yeah. won the first match. Yeah, uh, which was surprising to see uh, those three big guys lose that early. And then next, ca- then next came out was... Taguchi? No, it was Chaos. Well, it was Chaos, okay. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I, I, I actually predicted it to go that way just because Suzuki Gun. Well, A, there's a couple. It's just booking logic. If you're going to bring out a, a face team after that, you're probably going to put the heels over. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And then also Suzuki Gun, they're, they're good at getting cheap wins because they cheat so much yeah. that they shouldn't win, but they do all the time. So that's why I figured they would win. Um, and then, yeah, they ended up uh, facing off against uh, Chaos and Yano with his tomfoolery. <laughs> I've never seen a Yano match before, at least not paid attention to it. That's the dude that you'll say is the comedy guy, right? Yeah. This dude here, bro. <laughs> this dude here. Like, I would get so tired of that. Maybe I need to watch more of it. But, like, the little parts he did. It, one, little, one funny part to me was, I don't know who it was. Um, somebody... So Yano, apparently Yano's signature move is taking the big-ass turnbuckle off and hitting people with it. One of them. So somebody did that and tried to hit him, and he ducked, and he grabbed it and hit him with it or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. I, um, the thing about Yano is Yano's like this chaotic, like, jester. Yeah. And he beats everybody. Like, he beats – he's beaten Okada. He's beaten Tanahashi. He's beaten Omega. He beats them clean in situations where they like he's he shouldn't win, and then he'll roll them up and get the one two three. So then later on in his matches, when he rolls guys up, it's believable that he could be he's beaten Suzuki, and it's not that he's the best wrestler or anything, but it's just like he can beat anybody on any night because he's Yano. Yeah, well, and the way I see it, just from looking on the outside in, if you're gonna tag with Ishii, you gotta be tough. Because <laughs> that dude, like, people say that they're scared of Suzuki. I'm scared of Ishii. Yeah. <laughs> like, that dude is... Stone put Bull is a perfect nickname for him. Uh, but, so, uh, the Chaos team wins, and then Taguchi comes out, and I really appreciated this because I've never seen them as a team. So, Taguchi yeah. had the coach, uh, Patch on. <laughs> yep. And the part where they were going... Uh, and uh, I, what was it? The clothesline him in the corner or something, and he was just had the had the whistle in. It was kind of directing traffic. I, I enjoyed that. Um, and yeah. then he tried to be Shinsuke for a minute. Yeah, I popped super hard for the uh, the Nakamura spot where he started doing the, the handguns, and then he's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I popped really hard. I didn't realize at first that when he was going for that Bombay that he was doing a hip strike. I didn't realize that that's what he was trying to do. I thought he was actually throwing the Bombay and knee, and then uh, Jeremy pointed out to me. I was like, oh, gotcha. But, yeah, he uh, he messed up, and he got rolled up by Yano, just as so many others have, as I said before, and got pinned. Yeah, one, two, three. And then the champs came out. So yeah. I am – a huge Bullet Club OGs, uh, or whatever you want to call them, G.O.D. guy. I'm a huge... Tama Tonga might be my favorite guy in the whole company. I love Tama Tonga. Like, Tama... 
So, I guess it's another one of my questions to you, because again, I don't, I don't know structure of the company as well to understand. But like, I would love to see guys like Tamatonga, like, be pushed as singles guys. And I get the best situation for him right now is in a tag or a six man tag. But that dude is amazing, man. I like, I really enjoy him, and I get him and his brother. I don't, I don't think his brother's very good. To be honest with you, he's but, gotten better. Yeah, but I mean, I watched the finals of the tag of the World Tag League, and it w- he wasn't very good in that. Yeah, but that match just in general wasn't good all around. Nobody really came off very good in that. Yeah, match. that's 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 fair. It was it was a I won't call it a mess, but it was very uh, unfocused. When they when they first started tagging in New Japan, Camacho. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I did that. It's okay. Uh, that's what we've known him as for like five years. It's okay. Yeah, Tangaloa was just—he was a freaking dumpster fire, man. He sucked, and uh, but by the end of the the first like uh, World Tag League that they they competed in, they had a, an incredible match in the finals against uh, Hanma and Makabe. It was like oh, great match, Yeah, it was like four four and a half stars. Really, really good, and then. He's really uh, Tangaloa has really come into his own this year. I mean, I I watched the whole tag league and I can attest. I, I'm not just putting him over. He's gotten yeah. a lot, lot better. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. He's better. Yeah. But the thing is, with with Tama uh, or Tama, however you want to pronounce it, you know, New Japan doesn't do a lot of singles matches. Yeah. You know, so that's part of it. The your best opportunity if you're not known as a singles guy is to either try to challenge for one of the lower card titles and make your name that way. Or you have to compete in one of the tournaments, which he ha- he's he been in the last couple G1s. Mm-hmm. And he's done really well. Like, he's done really well in, in the last two G1s. He got some big wins. Uh, I can't remember. He, he definitely upset somebody. I'm trying to remember who it was. But, yeah, I mean, he's done he's yeah. done well. And the promo he cut on Kenny in the Bullet Club was – I enjoyed that. Yeah, his promo work is awesome. Yeah, he's really, really good. I mean, they're aided by the fact that they can cuss like crazy, but still, <laughs> still, he's really good. Um, but they ended up losing uh, to uh, Chaos. Uh, I yeah. feel like that was kind of uh, Trent Beretta's coming. Well, I'm sorry, he's not Trent anymore. Beretta's coming out party because Beretta oh, got his Trent. ass whooped. Is he still? Yeah. Or Greg, as he's known in Ring of Honor, uh, <laughs> but he he got his ass with all of the match. But he 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 had like the fighting spirit, and he took the crazy moonsault into the gun stun, and you know, and he he had all the he got most of the uh, he got the roll up on one of the other factions. Forgive me, this was a, a lot of people in it, but um, he ended up pinning Tama clean with the uh, do buster. Uh, yeah. So I I expected to see uh, Bullet Club win, seeing as they just won the six man tag titles like what last month. Yeah, but that those titles change hands very regularly. Clearly They're they like, did because if you see what happened the next night. Right. So I mean they in New Japan if you hold a title it is a, seen as a prestigious thing but you know the never t- six man tag titles are by far the the lowest of the totem pole when it comes to the titles there and the only team that's really held them consistently to any degree is lij okay at all 
Other than that, it, it gets passed around a lot, which is why I thought that they probably would lose in the Tokyo Dome, just because, um, I don't know, part of it was that you had LIJ and Chaos in the top two match, or like in the main event, and so I figured that they would probably put over the Chaos team just in general because of because Okada's at the top and all that. But and also Gato's they, a part of, it, of Chaos and he books? Is that another reason? It could be. Um, <laughs> but I also just thought, like, you know, having title change, I, I didn't think very many of the top titles would change personally. Yeah. So I figured they would they would turn over a title that they turn over all the time anyways. Plus, uh, you know, Beretta's never had a, a, a heavyweight title win right. before, so right. I figured that's another part of it. Um, yeah, man, this was... it. it it was cool. It was probably, I would I would compare this to your uh, your classic uh, multi man, not Andre, but like maybe like the the four way tag mat tag uh, ladder matches, whatever that a match that you can get a bunch of people in to kind of kill time, like on a WrestleMania. So what this was because it wasn't anything outside of that gunstun that moonsault to a gunstun. It's a cool match, man, but it, it wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah, maybe similar to like that year at WrestleMania where they did Team Teddy versus Team uh, Johnny, Johnny, yeah. and a lot of those guys were deserving to be on the card but had no space. So they did the, sure. the ten. That's what really what this was. There were guys that before they when they were announcing the Wrestle Kingdom card because like Elgin had an incredible year, Ishii had an incredible year, yeah. Juice had an incredible year, yeah. Beretta was coming into his own, uh, Zack Saber Jr. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that that are main players in new Japan that were just thrown into this map, even Yano. And it was kind of like, where are they going to fit in the card? They didn't have anywhere for them. So this was just like a fun mashup. Um, you know, it was nothing like blow away, but because this show had so many different type of matches, this was probably the most like comedy filled match sure. on the main card. So I thought it was kind of a nice break, you know, to kind of like change up the, the card a bit, you know? No, I agree. Every card needs, some a breather match. Every card needs one. Um, so the next match was probably a lot. Of, the next the next match, every match, every big like Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania, Final Battle, whatever, has that one mid card match. That I mean, uh, Ray and CM Punk at twenty seven, or yeah. you know what I mean, uh, like one of those undercard matches that just hit. Last year, uh, Jericho and Owens, that you just look forward to. And Jericho Ibushi, and awesome. you didn't like that match? No, it's awesome. I love that match. Oh, yeah, it was a great match. It was it was great. Uh, so, Ibushi and Cody. Uh, I was a little bummed that it wasn't for the Ring of Honor title, even though Dalton Castle probably deserved to win. But uh, it kind of took away from that gimmick and just let these guys go at it. And yeah. they wrestled the hell out of each other. Uh, like, I think you said something earlier on keeping a strong style. Like, you understand why Bushi has neck problems. So do I. <laughs> that guy is insane. The the the, the bumps he takes. The, uh, the crossroads off the apron. Yeah. That's that's the craziest spot of the night, in my opinion. You said it was it was Nick. No, it's I think it was... The crossroads off the off the apron. You know what's really interesting is um, when I when we recorded that show, I hadn't really listened to anyone's reviews or anything of it. 
And I agreed with you. I thought that that was insane. But I, I listened to uh, Wrestling Observer earlier this morning on my way to work, and they, they were talking about that match. And Brian Alvarez, who, you know, he is a pro wrestler and he has experience, he said that um, that, that spot was entirely safe and that, like, he, his head never even hit the ground. He's like, it was a forward roll. I have to rewatch the spot, but I thought it was interesting. And then uh, Melter was, like, agreeing with him. And I was like, but they both, but they both were like, it looked terrible. And they're like, but in all reality, he did a forward roll and he was fine. And I was like, really? I can understand that because he landed on the back of his head. Had he landed on his face like you normally do, taking the crossroads, yeah. then yeah, that's there's really no way to shield that coming off of the apron. But yeah, the way he landed, it was kind of like a shoulder bump, almost kind of. I didn't see it that way at all. My suspense was so so like captivated yeah. that yeah. I was like. I was like, he died. He landed on his freaking neck, and he's dead. That's it. It's over. <laughs> so so for those people who have never seen any of Cody's work outside of WWE and what he's done since he's been on the Indies and Ring of Honor and New Japan, his work with Brandy, like, what would you equate it to? Because the shit they're doing is, like, it's great heel work. Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe, like... I don't know. I don't. I can't off the top of my head. If I'm really thinking about it, think of a. Uh, I, I actually can't think of a good um, comparison. Well, you know, they said that what she's doing is kind of similar to like what Maria was doing in Ring of Honor. Oh, um, with, with Mike Bennett, yeah. Yeah, with Mike Bennett, it's sort of reminding me like of early 2000s Stephanie, though. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I don't think Hunter used Steph as a pawn as much as Cody uses. Brandy. Right. That that's why I was like I can't find an exact Yeah. But the, but, but it, her, it's but, great stuff. It's great stuff. But her like talking her like talking to the camera when she's coming down and all that, I was like she's a star, man. She really is and you know, I was skeptical of Brandy uh when they left cuz Brandy talked a whole lot of shit. And Brandy doesn't come from a wrestling background, so you know how we are. If you're not somebody one of us, we instantly get a little cautious. <laughs> But to see how 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 much she's into it, how seriously she's working at it, how much she cares about it, like I appreciate the work she's put in. And she tries to take a bump. Like I don't. Did you watch Final Battle? The she just jumped off the top rope for no reason. Like she yeah, tries to take a bump every match. Uh, I saw her. She stunned somebody uh, at one of the cards recently. She threw that a was after. Stun. Yeah, that was after. That was one of the uh, TV tapings or whatnot. But at final yeah. battle against Dalton Castle, she, Cody was uh, fighting Dalton on the ground, and the boys yeah. were behind him. And she goes in the ring off the top rope and jumps on the boys. That's how all three all three of them got kicked out of the match. Yeah, yeah. But she I just has to take a bump. I actually didn't like that match very much at all, but I enjoyed that spot. No, it wasn't a great match. Dalton Castle isn't the best wrestler, but you know, the it's it, I'm a story guy, like the in ring aspect isn't the most important thing to me it matters but it's not the most important but the story that they that they had it was i mean it was an enjoyable enough match and don castle for what he what he's done he deserved the belt but yeah it wasn't a great match um but uh so coda and kenny were a tag team right yeah so they tag teamed in uh ddt which is essentially like one of the larger uh Indie federations in 
Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of weird stuff. That's where the blow <laughs> dog match of, was, right? Yeah, like the yeah, exactly. So they they do a lot of comedy matches, a lot, but they also do they do all sorts of different stuff. It's not just that they do a lot, but they do a lot of like kooky stuff over there that you won't see in like New Japan or anything. And um, they got over really big as like the top uh, tag team over there, like the junior tag team. Mm-hmm. And they actually signed a, a dual deal at one point where they were tagging in New Japan and then also tagging over in DDT. They they actually held both tag titles, the junior tag titles in New Japan and and the DDT tag titles simultaneously. This before then, Bullet uh, Club. Yes, yeah, before the Bullet Club, and then, um, like Kota Bushi eventually came over and was doing single stuff, and then Kenny got signed separately, like later on. But Kenny got signed exclusive. They've never signed Kota Bushi's not exclusive to New Japan. He never has been, and I don't right. know if he ever will be. Well, yeah, because uh, that's why he was able to do the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. And uh, as soon as, almost as soon as uh, Kenny signed, he became part of the Bullet Club. There was never really like an official like Shawn Michaels kicking Marty Jannetty sort of moment or anything like that. They just sort of drifted apart. Um, and then, on, like they, everyone knows that they were a tag team and that they were like good friends and stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much been the story. They've been kept apart all these years, basically. Well, this seems to be what. The Kenny, what the Cody Ibushi feud is over is over the affection of Kenny. Uh, essentially, yeah. Because I'm, I mean, forgive, for, forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, there was one spot in the match where he screamed, "Kenny doesn't love you like I love you," or, or, or yeah, he did something say that. Like I that. thought that was great. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. But I, I'm just trying to understand where the hell it's coming from. But yeah. I've been explained now that it's been explained to me that they were they're really good friends. They're best friends from what I heard. They might be more than that, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It is no, all good. More power uh, to them. Yeah, no, but that's like kind of a thing in wrestling. Like people have said, like it's ne- never been fully confirmed, but it's like yeah, they might there might be more going on there. <laughs> word. More power to them, man. Hey, if they if they're happy, but, I'm happy. But uh. <laughs> yeah, they're That's crazy the, the just thing to say. Like, <laughs> Kenny Kenny has cut promos like when he won the US title in uh in Long Beach, he cut a promo about the US title and then said that he planned he was like he he started calling out Kotobushi and he was saying that Destiny has a date for them that eventually they're going to fight and he said it's going to be in the Tokyo Dome. I don't know if they're I don't know if the timing will ever work out for that to actually be the case, but there will be some big money match at some point down the road between Kenny and Kota Ibushi. Like it has to happen uh, because the story's been writing itself there. They've been building it for years, literally. Yeah. They had a match uh, in 2012, I believe, in DDT um, at Budokan Hall, which actually uh, I think we talked about this on the last podcast that we just did. Um, Kota Ibushi got He's banned from life from Budokan Hall because of that match. Because um, he he does a spot on the Indies. He hasn't done it too much in New Japan, but he does a spot where he goes in the balcony like New Jack, and he does a, a moonsault off the balcony. Mm-hmm. And the people and at Budokan Hall is like a sumo, like it's right. it's they, they they're very traditional. And they told him not to do it, and they went to like the people who who run Budokan Hall were like, "Do not do this spot. We know you do this spot. Don't do it." And he's like, all right, I won't do it. And then he did it. 
Well, look, I've I I've seen the the video or the gif of Coda standing on top of a of a car with the fireworks. So like that dude really doesn't care. Clearly. Yeah, that that match is maybe one of the most like it's one of the greatest matches that I've never I never hear anyone talk about. I mean, it's something that like you know, we talk about stuff breaking in the five star scale. Mm-hmm. That was one of the matches that when I saw it, I thought before Dave Meltzer broke the five star scale where I saw it and I was like, that's better than five stars. Okay. So Yeah, it's it's worth checking out. I I'm 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 interested in seeing this stuff, man. Uh before we move on, my question to you is why didn't Cody win? What, like, you're good at explaining to me uh, the booking thought processes of New Japan, and I'm just from my just from being a WWE guy and kind of sensing trends. Kota not being signed, Kota being well, he might be here, he might be not. Cody being an up and comer and almost assuredly being uh, about to be in a feud with Kenny sooner than later, probably. I would have thought that Cody would have went over. You know, I actually, uh, when we did our preview show, I had the same thought as you. I went back and forth on my prediction because I said, are they going to let a part, like a guy who won't sign, even though he's a big star, are they going to let him uh, go over on Dusty Rhodes' son in the Tokyo Dome? Yeah, just like in the Cruiserweight <laughs> Classic. He should have won the Cruiserweight title, but he didn't want to sign. Right. So, but at the same time, like, he's been with them for years. So even though he hasn't signed and they've never pushed him to the to the title, He's always been a main event player because he's one of the biggest draws in Japan. Yeah, and there's no there's no denying that. Um, I think ultimately him beating Cody really just had it, it must play into the storylines that they have going forward. I just assumed that he probably would beat Cody based off the fact that um, that there's probably there that just like you said how that match is building off of uh, Kenny Omega. Because I think sometime probably this year we're gonna end up with the big Kenny versus uh, Kota Bushi match. I don't know if this you year. can get there. That I think so because they're already starting to tease it and everything. Um, if not this year, then the next year. I, I think you don't get to that match without Kota Bushi getting this big win in the uh, in the Tokyo Dome, basically. So yeah, that makes sense. That because I I didn't think they would ever wrestle because I mean I figured would have happened by now, right? But no, I get um, it. But I think I think we're gonna see Cody and and Omega this year too. See now, if, forgive me for fantasy booking. I know we need to move on from this match because we're just like three matches on the card. But <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to have seen them go ahead. I'm not, I'm sure it's expedited based on New Japan booking, but Kenny versus Cody would have been. Uh, I've been vocal about uh, the top of this card, even though it was great quality. I would have liked to see some different diversity in the top of the card because all New Japan Tokyo Dome matches, Tokyo Dome uh, shows seem to have the same few guys at the top of the card. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I understand the Jericho match was a once in a lifetime dream match, but I I would have liked to have possibly seen Cody and Kenny for the control of the Bullet Club Be- because I want to see Kenny uh, where he's at now. Being maybe the he's not the most over guy, but you know he's the guy basically. Not Okada. I would like to see him as full on baby. And Jericho made him full on baby in their feud. Right. But I would have liked to have seen it without the Bullet Club, just him on his own fighting for his own honor. 
you know, if that makes any well, sense. Well, one thing one thing we have to think about though is Kenny, or I'm sorry, Cody, and he's still not all there, but Cody up to this match has not been over in Japan, like not even a little bit. Like okay. we're talking like like completely dead, silent, and not out of respect. Like they could care less about Cody. And then he put in this performance. This match did so many favors for Cody as a, and that's another reason why I figured he pro- and I forgot. You know what's funny? This match was so good it made me forget that that's why I picked against Cody is because Cody wasn't over in Japan until literally this match. This match wow. was a star making performance for him in Japan, wow. and and made him a, like a much bigger deal than anything he's done, including the Okada match. Because keep in mind that Okada match didn't happen on Japanese soil; it happened in oh, America. Here. Yeah. Right. So with that being the case, like, I don't think a, a, an Omega versus Cody match could have potentially been booked on any big show up yet. I get unless you that, it was yeah. America, because yeah. they wouldn't have cared over there. They yeah, don't, that's they don't, crazy. They don't know who Cody is. Now they know. Now they know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Caleb, anything you want to add real quick before we move on? Uh, yeah, I really enjoy the Kota Ibushi, man. I, I was entertained i think the addition of brandy was like everything that cody was needing and i was highly impressed what i appreciate about cody and again we really need to move on what i appreciate about him is everything he knew in wwe from a character standpoint he said fuck that and just started from scratch and just create he cultivated a completely different character he uh understands he has privilege so he plays on that like i I really appreciate how he's remade himself post wwe because a lot of guys don't don't have the fort not the fortitude but the ability to completely remake themselves and become bigger like cody has but uh i know i know we're not really doing match ratings or anything like that seems like on this podcast but one thing i will say for me Uh this is my favorite match of the entire card okay what did you get I was like four and a quarter. I was okay. really on the edge to four and a half. I don't see anybody else who's as high on it as me. <laughs> yeah, I'd give um, it a four. I'd give it a solid four. You could talk me into four and a quarter, but I'd give it a solid like, four. Like I was pretty much at four and a quarter, but I, even though I know it wasn't the best match on the card by by any means, and sure. it's not a match of the year. It is my favorite match on the on the whole card. Okay. I mean, it's understandable. You know, uh, it's like I said with uh, with Ray and. Punk or uh, Cody and Ray or uh, Owens and Jericho. A lot of the times, that one mid-card singles match that actually got some build is what a lot of people look forward to on a card like this. And yeah. uh, these two these two styles are so different that uh, the mesh was interesting. And I like seeing Abushi get put in situations in which it's weird for him because we know he can fly, we know he can strike, but Cody's not that type of wrestler to where he's going to fly with you or strike with you. He's going to grapple with you. He's going to get in your head. He's going to piss you off. When, you know, when he threw uh, Brandy at him and he hit Brandy at him and, and he got nervous and got scared and picked her up and he hit him, stuff like that gets in his head and he has to kind of, you know, work past that. I think stuff like that is interesting to me. Well, if you notice at the end, Cody tried to strike with him and that was his big mistake. That's why I lost. That, so I, I, I'm, I love that aspect of New Japan in that a lot of the times when people lose, it's because they made a mistake. Yeah. Very rarely do you see one guy just get beat because he wasn't as good. A lot of the times they make a mistake. 
Okada when he faced Tanahashi the first time. He lost because he made a mistake. He didn't get beat. He made a mistake, which is why he ran back to the back crying because he knew he had him beat. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so moving on to the uh, the next match was the heavy tag title match between uh, yeah. LIJ and Killer Elite Squad. Before we yes. even talk about this, sell me on them, Killer Elite Squad, because I don't get it. I've never I'm, liked either guy individually, and I I'm don't like gonna, him as a I'm tag team. I'm not going to sell you on Killer Elite Squad. And <laughs> I want to say... I have honestly, I've heard very little about this tag match, but all of all I've heard has been pretty bad. Just to be oh, truthful. No. no, 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 it wasn't bad. It was good. The story told was great. The story told was uh, amazing. Because if you got these two six 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 seven behemoths, they did what you would imagine six 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 seven behemoths would do. They mobbed them at the beginning. They beat the hell out of them all through the match. But the um, uh, evil and Sonata just seemed to persevere and if you if you watch the world tag league that seemed to kind of be the story of those two as a tag team is that they 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 get punished and they get punished and take punishment in some kind of way they find a way to pull through because i know in the god match they should have got their ass beat a bunch in that match but they continue to find ways to persevere so that was the story of this match i just don't care about archer or baby bulldog they're they're not there for you to care about them. They're heels. Sure, and, and I appreciate that. I do appreciate that <laughs> aspect. They're they're there because they've been uh, on the indies in North America and also overseas in NOAA and in all Japan, and and they were in New Japan before as well. They're they're a really well respected tag team because of their size, because they tagged together for a long time, because they won gold in tournaments everywhere, and they're they're gaijin and they're. They're heels, and they're really, really, really heelish. Um, I, I'm not down with Archer spitting on the crowd at all. Like, it's the one thing that like, that is that's just that's, foul, that's yeah. cheap heat, and it's, it's the one thing that, unsanitary like, as well. <laughs> Thank you for being for being the germ guy of this podcast, dude. It's cold and flu season. I'm just saying. Well, everybody in everybody in the Japan in the Tokyo Dome had on masks anyway. So what did it matter? They had the mask on, so they were prepared. Hey, they knew Archer listen, was gonna spit on them. When I was in Asia and I got sick, I put one of those masks on. I, I see. I, I never knew why they did it, but you saying that makes sense, seeing as how fast outbreaks do come out of, out there. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But um. um I, yeah, it's the one thing that I see that, like, it makes me, like, so mad that, like, I feel like I would shoot for real if someone spit on me like that. I don't care who it is. Like, that's how I feel. I'm yeah, not paying that, I'm not that, paying that sort of Dudley. money. That's that Bubba Ray Dudley huh? heat. That's that Bubba Ray Dudley heat. Oh, it pisses me off, bro. Anyways, uh, the <laughs> thing is, though, Archer has really improved over the years compared to how he was in TNA and how he was in WWE. And yeah. Bulldog... Dude, I don't know very many guys his size that can do the things he can do. I agree. In the ring, he's one of the best big men out there today, bar none. But the problem with Bulldog is he's zero charisma. Archer's all the charisma. Yeah. Bulldog. Bulldog's a terrible promo. He has a great look, but it's very bland, you know? And yeah. so, I mean, they need each other, essentially. They really do. And so they're a solid tag team, but I'm not out here like – shouting the praises of them they're gonna have they have good matches all the time but you know they're not like a 
Hall of Fame team or anything like that, really. Are they in the right stable? Yeah. You think they're they've in the been, right stable? They've been, they've been with Suzuki Gun since the beginning, basically. Because, I, mean, so, I mean, the reason I say that is because Suzuki, Suzuki Gun is basically Minoru, Minoru and, like, Minions. And you got these two big behemoths who I've never even seen with the group before. But, again, I don't watch as much as most people do, but... They're with them a lot, but because they're a separate tag team, it's kind of like how the Young Bucks are part of the Bullet Club. They tag with them, but they do a lot more stuff on their own because they're, they're the Young Bucks. Same thing, Killer Elite Squad, Killer Elite Squad. Those motherfuckers have their own group inside the Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> um, the thing with Suzuki Gun that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, they're, they're in New Japan, and they're signed, but... They travel together. They were in Noah for a year and a half for almost two years. The whole group went. And when the whole group came back, the whole group came back. And if they decide to go to All Japan, they're all going to go together. It's, okay, they're, so they're not, a real like, group. They're a real group, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I don't have much to say about the match. I don't remember much uh, much about it other than Evil and Sonata getting the crap beat out of them until basically the very end. I do I mean, like... Yeah. How they took the how they basically took the magic killer from Bullet Club though. Yeah, so I mean the the thing here is, um, and when me and uh, Jeremy started doing our coverage of the World Tag League, I told him that I thought that Lij was going to win strictly off the fact that they've been building up Arch. So all last year, the tag titles revolved around God, um, Archer and uh, Killer Elite Squad and War Machine, which are all three Gaijin tag teams. And their their tag division has always kind of, the heavy tag division has always kind of sucked to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I saw the need for them to push, and I I assumed that they're going to push one of their uh, like domestic like home like acts. They're going to push sure. a Japanese team. Lij held those six man tag titles all year, and they're the hottest stable in in the company. It just made the most sense that I thought they were building up. Uh, Killer Elite Squad to job to, to a Japanese tag team. I just didn't know who it was going to be. And when we predicted, I was like, I was like, yeah, I think Lij is going to win the ti- uh, win the tournament and win the titles in the Tokyo Dome. Um, I didn't think it would be a one on one match. I will say that I was surprised that they did get that, but it yeah. kind of meant more in the long run. Yeah. So that and they they kept the reason that they fought from underneath the whole time is because they want to keep Killer Elite Squad strong, which they did. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so that was kind of like a coronation for, you know, Sonata and Evil, essentially. These are two guys who are sort of like, they're like the two gatekeepers to Naito in the tag, or in the in the in division. The you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, it's a big win for them. I thought the match was very good. When I rated it, I thought it was almost just on the same par as the other tag match, just slightly beneath it. It was really, it was surprisingly way better than I thought it was going to be. The only problem is, it was a good match, but there's nothing I remember from it. There's, I, I remember a lot from it, but I watched the show twice already, so. See, I've only seen it <laughs> once, so that makes sense. I get it. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not saying it's bad. I just, and then again, I'm a different type of fan. I openly admit this. I'm, I'm very story, story oriented, and there was no story between the two coming into it that I knew about, and there, and I mean, I. I get the story of the two big guys beating up the smaller guys, but it just, it was a good match. It just wasn't the most interesting package to me. Well, for, for like a casual viewer. Yeah, that's, I would totally agree. But for, for like me, I was a little more invested because I watched the whole tournament. 
Yeah, and, and I only watched the finals. And with that being said, you know, Killer Elite Squad didn't win that tournament. They uh, could, based on their points, they tied with uh, G.O.D., but because they lost to G.O.D. in the tournament, they didn't advance to the finals. And so there was the built-in rivalry there that you've got the champions against the, you know, who should have gone to the finals potentially, yeah. uh, you know, going against the guys that beat them. So, I mean, there, there was a built-in storyline, but, you know, in, in New Japan, sometimes, you know, because it's so sports-centric, it's not always like a blood feud. Sometimes it's just about bragging rights, and in the, better, especially yeah. with the two different factions. But, yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed the match. There was, I mean, uh, it was worth, it was definitely worth checking out. I think I rated it like three and three quarters, something like that. Three and a half, I don't know. It was, it was really good. I'd give it three and a half, three and three quarters. I'd give it, yeah, between there, I'd probably be close to three and a half. But, I again, I could be talked into three and three, three and three quarters. The next match I want to say is the match that I was the most pleasantly surprised about. The never open weight championship between Goto and Suzuki. Now, I appreciate strong style. I really do. But that's not my go-to form of wrestling I enjoy. Only because... So, res- the whole the whole beauty of wrestling is it's supposed to be believable enough to where you can suspend it. Right? I can't suspend my disbelief with these two guys. But like... Suzuki beat the living fuck out of Goto. Like, at some point, you questioned if it was a shoot. You yeah. had to. Especially with the story going into it. Uh, then that's part of the reason why I enjoyed the match so much. Kevin Kelly and Don Callis did a great job explaining to the casual viewers, or the viewers in general, how Suzuki didn't think Goto was on his level. And he was, yeah. and he was like, insulted that Goto would want to wrestle him for his title. And so, Goto had to put something up extra to get him to take the match. So he put his hair up and Suzuki was so, and I guess that's a big deal in Japan to have no hair. And we all know Suzuki got the craziest hair in wrestling. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, there's nobody like that. And uh, he was so intrigued. He put his own hair up, but he put his own hair up because he was that dominantly. He knew there was no chance this kid can beat me. And if you watch the whole match, uh, I don't think Caleb, you've seen it yet. It hasn't. Been, I know it wasn't. I don't think it was on Access yet. No, I have not seen it yet. If you watch the whole match, literally, Suzuki hasn't beat the entire time. Yeah. He just he he could have choked him out at any moment. He just wanted to hit him with the gotch power driver. But yep. Goto got out of it every time, and literally Don Callis is screaming. He has him in the he has him in the sleeper. Keep him in the sleeper. He keep him. Yeah. In the, oh hell, he put him in the gotch again. Like, Kellis is, is out there, like, screaming for dude to finish him. Um, but it, it was a beautifully told story of... Now, this is the fighting style, uh, fighting spirit that people tell me about New Japan. Like, I saw this firsthand because, God bless that dude, Goto took a beating. And yeah. God. Yeah, Goto took a, a legit beating. It, it wasn't kayfabe. I mean, he really... Yeah. His, uh, his right eye was really swelling up. The left side of his head was actually also like on. He got a giant knot on his head. He was bleeding from the mouth. Uh, he looked like he was an MMA fight. He really real. looked like a real. Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. There was yeah. there was spots where uh, Goto would hit him with three forearms, and Suzuki hit him with one. It sounded like a shotgun. 
Yeah, the, every time Suzuki came back with anything, it sounded way worse than when Goto was hitting him, no matter what happened. Yes. Um, there was one spot in the match where Goto started doing the palm strikes, and he slapped him in the head like 30 or 40 times. I was like, how long is this going to go on, man? Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking to the to the storyline that you were talking about, I guess the, the deal is, you know, when you become a, a young lion in New Japan, they shave your head. Okay. To debase you, you know what I mean? Sure. So that's kind of like what it was. Like the guy who lost was going to essentially have to lower himself to that level to being like, you're the senpai, I'm I'm just the young lion. I'm not yeah. on your level, essentially. Yeah. And the other deal is that Goto was – Goto won the Never title last year at Wrestle Kingdom. He beat Shibata for, for the title. Right. And then he lost it to Suzuki. And Suzuki's held it this whole year, basically. Okay. And every time they wrestled, though, they wrestled twice this year, um, Suzuki cheated. He had Suzuki-Goon help him the whole time. So he, in his mind, he was like, you know, I don't need to defend against you. I already beat you twice. But the, the, Goto was calling him out being like, well, you can't beat me without all your goons. Yeah. And Suzuki, the thing about Suzuki is that in most cases – he doesn't need his goons. He just likes having them there. Yeah. So the, fact, so that's the thing. He likes to cheat because he, <laughs> he's a cheater. He doesn't need to cheat. He just wants to cheat. Yeah. And so, so anyone who would dare to say that to him, it like, it pissed him off enough to where he's like, all right, if you think I can't beat you without my goons, let's really do it. All right. Let's like let's re- and that's why they had no seconds out. That there was yeah. no one came out to the ring with him. That was a that's step, what, by the way, Caleb, that they had nobody. Everybody was bad for ringside. That's awesome. I always love that addition, especially to blood feuds, man. Yeah. Um, there were some things about the match. Like, I thought the, the beginning after Goto got choked unconscious and was, like, just dead. Mm-hmm. Um, At the very beginning, mind you. Yeah. I, I was like, this match should be over. If it was a real fight, this match would literally actually be over. Yeah. I mean – I don't know. They, you know, they stopped Sammy and uh, Kevin Owens. <laughs> yeah, but the difference <laughs> yeah. was that match had actually started. Th- this match started. Had it started when he did that? Yeah, yeah, they'd already been wrestling. Okay. Um, okay. Th- I talked about this on the other podcast. Now, uh, back in Pancrase, um, if you're familiar with that, that's like an MMA promotion that started out as a pseudo wrestling promotion, and yeah. they had rope breaks in Pancrase. And so I have seen guys get choked unconscious where they grabbed the ropes and the other guy held on and still choked him out and they didn't stop the fight because he was in the ropes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe that's why they didn't stop the fight because when he choked him out, they were in the corner. But at the same time, that dude was dead. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he didn't move. It, what, what, they call that, what do they call that? A hangman sleeper or some shit, some shit like that? Whatever it was? It's a rear naked choke. It's a sleeper hold. Yeah, and I yeah mean, but from he the was, second row, man. God damn. Yeah, he, he, he hung him, and he just went limp, and he fell down. Um, there was there were some timing issues in the very beginning that I didn't really enjoy. But when I watched this match on the rewatch, I realized how great the match actually was and how yeah. violent it was. And then the post-match with – when uh, Well, don't get there yet. Don't get there yet. Don't get there yet. Okay. Because we just talked about how it was a blood feud, and there was no uh, – nobody was allowed at ringside. But like Suzuki Gun does – the goons came out anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. They, Taka's running out and El Desperado's running out. And what's the gothic uh, opera Gachi. singer? Yeah. He came out. And then uh, was it Yoshihashi who came out? 
It wasn't. Yeah, but before that, the thing that was poetic about this is that the the uh, Suzuki Gun. What they do is they just they beat up the Young Lions every match when they come out. They beat up the Young Lions, <laughs> and in the lead up to this fight, when they started talking about the Clippers during the Road Two show. Um, Suzuki gun, or I'm sorry, Minoru Suzuki had grabbed Yagi, who's one of the young young lions, and he shaved his head, mm. like just shaved it. So he had heat with that man. So when all his goons tried to come out and save him because he got hurt, it was poetic justice because the young lions were the ones holding them back. So it was like they got their revenge on Suzuki at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead, and you, you, we can talk about the finish now. I just wanted to point out to Caleb yes. that the, so, the beauty you know, of the story. Goto persevered, and he hit him with the, the two GTRs after he did the avalanche uh, Yoshi Kuroshi off the top rope, which was dope, you yeah. know, as freak. Yeah. And uh, he beat him, and then Suzuki Gun came in, and they he was so out of it. He didn't know what where he was, and they were taking him out. And they were trying to get him out of there before he had to shave his head, mm-hmm. essentially, because they're all spineless heels. I mean, they're the real heels in, in New Japan. They don't care about agreements. They don't care about pride. Or, you know, their word or anything like that. Yeah. So then, but when Suzuki realized that when he was started coming to and he was in the middle of the crowd, he started coming to and he realized that what was happening, he fought all his dudes off of him. Yes. And he grabbed a chair from a fan and he went back into the into the ring and he saw the, the chair that they had set up for him so he could get shaved. <laughs> and he freaking just smacked the heck out of that chair, put his own chair down, took the clippers from, uh, from Goto and... Just started shaving, man. He started shaving his hair. That was a great moment, man. Like, it showed that the dude has some honor. Yeah. And then he he just, bro, at some point when him and Goto run it again, he looks like he wants to kill Goto. Yeah. I mean, Goto's a dead man walking at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm telling you, man, like, I normally don't enjoy those never matches because, like I told you, it's, it's just the... The suspicion of disbelief is to the point where I don't believe it's like I believe it's real, and well, I don't you know, know what to feel. That title didn't begin that way. It's a hardcore title, isn't it? No. So never the idea behind what never was supposed to be when it was first announced is that it was supposed to be very similar to what NXT is. Okay. So I don't remember what never stands for, but it's actually an ac- an acronym. Like, I knew that. And, I knew it was acronym. Yeah. And the idea was that it was going to be for young up and coming like lion, like the young lions or people that just came off excursion or even they were going to have partnerships with other companies and bring their young talent in. And it was going to be like an up and coming like young, like, you know, title at some point, it just didn't work out that way. And they just started putting the title uh, on on, like old grizzled veterans Mm -hmm. who fight that older you know, strong style. Yeah, Ishii, Shibata, just, yeah. Yeah, before that, it was like Masato Tanaka, Makabe, yeah. and then Ishii got the title, and then it was like, this is the world, like, the world strong style championship. <laughs> yeah, which is what it seems as that has been. That's the, that's the slot it's been placed in. I don't know that it always will be, because it's never been designated and stated explicitly, like, this is supposed to be... For strong style fighters only, it's not necessarily that. Um, who knows what it will be in the future? But I mean, at this point, yeah, that, that is what it is, kind of right now. Well, uh, with Suzuki holding the belt and Goto, I don't know much about Goto. I know I've 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 seen and read a lot about Suzuki, but I don't know much about Goto. But I hope he holds the, he holds the belt well because Suzuki's trying Go- to, gonna try to kill him. 
Goto is like the Japanese Dolph Ziggler. In in in, in ring, from in ring in, standpoint, in, in every standpoint. So the guy who just is incredible in the ring, but is lacking something, and always loses on the big stage, and like can't get to the top. That's okay. Goto. Okay. Goto's had like more title shots, and he's never won the world title. He's had more failed world title shots than like any challenger in history. In wow. the eyes of the fans, he's seen as one of the most supremely talented guys, but they don't believe in him anymore at this point. Like they really don't. Yeah. It's and it's very similar to like Dolph Ziggler. Like he can he can win the U.S. title, but no one really believes he's going to be a top guy. Like I don't think anyone really at this point right now believes that Goto's going to have this long illustrious never championship title run because that day is kind of kind of past. I could be wrong, but that's kind of how it, it is right now. Well, that's a great story going into a guy knowing that you had the most dangerous guy in the company who wants to kill you and the crowd doesn't believe in you. So that's a great that's a story that can be told well. Um, yeah. One more match before Caleb can really give input. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's here. Oh, but 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 before yeah, I know guys, I'm not a ghost. I swear I'm still here listening intently. But before we go on, just the way you've been describing the Goto and Suzuki feud it really reminds me of, and Rance, no, you didn't watch, but Josh, if you did, um, it reminds me of the Phoenix and Mil Muertes feud from season one of Lucha Underground. Yeah. Who's it's, not as good as that. it's not as good as that at all, but yeah. Yeah, well, the Phoenix and Mill feud was like next level shit, but uh, who's Phoenix? Rance, next match, sir. Hold on, who's Phoenix from Lucha Underground? I don't I don't watch that. Who's Phoenix? Ray, Ray Phoenix. You never seen Ray, Ray Phoenix? Phoenix. Oh, F-E-N-I-X. Okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking uh, of the... Yeah, I got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Isn't he a small dude? Yeah. Yes. And they had a blood feud like that? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yep. blood feud with Mil Muertes. That, it that was the... Match man, incredible. Yeah. Because Mil Muertes is the man of a thousand deaths. And what was Phoenix's nickname? The man of a thousand lives. There we go. It was life and death. For the record, literally, I did watch the uh, three stages of war or whatever Good with uh, yeah, with Dante Fox and Killshot. Yeah, that's like I saw, that ma- I saw that match. It's one of the craziest matches I've ever seen in North America. Absolutely, the 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 glass was like the first fall. That's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, one more match before Caleb can give input. Uh, and my favorite match of the night, the junior, uh, four-way, uh, Marty Skrull, uh, Hiroshi Takahashi, Will Osprey, and, uh, Kushida. And I feel like Kushida's like the forgotten man of the four. Right now he is. But he's been, he was the champ for most of the year, wasn't he? No. He was, uh, champion for a short portion of the year. He won the title in at Dominion, which I think is midsummer, like June or July, and then he lost it mm, sometime after Best of the Junior Juniors. I think he held it for a couple months. I think he might have lost at King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle, one or the other. Should Kushida, should Kushida stay a junior, or do you think he's a guy that can move up? I think he could move up, but I don't know if the Japanese fans will accept him moving up. He's been cutting promos about moving up, and the fact of the matter is 
Kushida's had an all-time great year. Yeah. This year, just not in Japan. Like, he was killing it in Ring of Honor this year. He was killing it in Rev Pro. He killed it uh, in uh, uh, freaking What Culture Pro Wrestling. He was doing a lot of international wrestling and traveling. And because of that, his stature with these other guys rising up in, in the company at the same time, yeah. they're uh, – his stat- his stature as being the ace of the junior division kind of took a diminished hit. Plus, he had to rebuild for the first half of the year because he got demolished by Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah. So, yeah, he's kind of the forgotten man uh, right now. But he could potentially be someone who I think could move up to, to the heavyweight division at some point. Yeah. I do. I definitely do, too. Be- and I say that because, you know, like I said with the Bucks earlier, when you've done almost everything you can in the division – you know, I mean, I don't know what, what more Kushida could do in the junior heavy division, but I mean, it, like you said, it's all about the fans accepting them. Uh, but I mean, I, I enjoy this match so much from the from the entrances and Marty Skrulls, uh his death wings, whatever you want to call them, were awesome. And can I can I can I explain how dumb I am? You know how fans chant whoop whoop for him? I never knew that because I never heard his music before. <laughs> I never knew I was in his music. I just thought that was something they did. Now I get it. Like I actually heard his music for once. Um, Yo, Rich and James, like Rich and James, are like I'm not with that. It sounds too much like car, like uh, like cop sirens. <laughs> <laughs> Have to be like, black. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we we well, they are the blackest show. Well, actually, we say we're the blackest show on Social Suplex. But uh, I mean, <laughs> fact of the matter is, I'm wearing a black shirt and black pants right now. So yeah. Uh, just saying. Uh, I love I love Marty Skrull because he's not uh, he's not the most high flyer guy in that division, but he's more along the style of guys that I've watched most of my life. In that he takes great pleasure in being a despicable heel, even though like in America he does play to the crowd a lot, but he takes pleasure in doing that dirty stuff, and he. He tells more of a story than because normally these matches are just like flippy do fests, but there was actually a story told in this match. Uh, Takahashi, who, like you said, by all rights, should—he's never gotten really his, never been able to get his real his real chance at the title since he lost it. Osprey, who is, uh, think he's part bird or something, because no, nobody flies <laughs> like that. Uh, Kushida, who, like I said, was Ace of Division. I love this match. I loved every part of this match. Uh, I love Scroll hitting the fuck out of those guys in the face with the umbrella. Um, I, I need to rewatch the match, man, because I, I had all this planned and I had so many spots in the in the match I enjoyed. Um, the one thing I do want to talk about though is, do you think I have no problem with Osprey winning? Do you think it should have happened in a one on one? Because the Raven Tommy Dreamer story they got going. Yeah, we we started talking about that, and uh, I've seen these guys wrestle. I've I saw their match. Uh, I saw them wrestle last year at Rev Pro, um, which was incredible. Um, I saw them wrestle last year at uh, Progress. They had another fantastic match, and I know they've wrestled, you know, in Ring of Honor and, and in New Japan. And I guess the story is that Osprey's never beat. Scroll. I don't know if that's totally true. Um, we'll do some research and I'll find out. But 
that's the storyline going into this. So I think that, yeah, he beat him, but then they can turn around and say later on he's never beat him in a one-on-one scenario. Okay, that's fair. Uh, uh, but the first, the feud they're moving to is uh, Time Bomb and uh, yeah, Osprey, right? I love Time Bomb, bro. Everything about yeah. the dude. Daryl is the most over guy in the whole company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Daryl, Daryl Jr. Uh, they, has he always done the Rey Mysterio entrance? Or is that new? What was that? Has has uh, Time Bomb always done the Rey Mysterio entrance? Where it pops up oh, from that, underneath? Or is that new? That's the first time he's ever done that. Yeah, that shit was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um... Those guys went out and wrestled a hell of a match, man. Uh, and of course, they had their moments where they fl- where they had to fly. Uh, but it was it, it, it seemed like it seemed like the flippiness was for a purpose this time. It wasn't just oh, it wasn't Ricochet versus Will Ospreay where anything you can do I can do better. Like they like there was a purpose behind everything in that match. I'm I'm we've talked about so much. I'm really forgetting all the spots I wanted to talk about. But I enjoyed the hell of this match. Caleb, you will too. I can feel there is there are some incredible spots. There was uh, when they were all on the outside and Will Ospreay climbed the crane, and he yes. did that moonsault off the crane. That shit was that was crazy. That was absolutely uh, crazy. Early on in the match, uh, Kushida uh, did the freaking senton like flip to the outside off of the um, top rope, like over the barrier onto all the guys. Yes, which was nuts. Takahashi doing the uh, the three and then, um, the, the three suicide. Did... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Takahashi didn't do anything almost the whole match because they tried to neutralize him the whole match. And then at the very towards the very end, he finally got on a roll and he started doing this the uh, sunset powerbomb to sunset the outside on everybody. Yes, yes. And Marty Scroll just being like a. a Sneaky heel breaking guys' fingers, hitting people with the uh, with the umbrella. He threw powder in the face of Kushida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he taped up. He taped up uh, uh, Hiromu Takahashi on the outside. He taped him up. He taped one of his hands up, and then he grabbed the other hand and broke his fingers. Yeah. So he couldn't untape himself. It's beautiful stuff. And then he was so yeah. arrogant. He left the open box right in front of him, like you can't, you can't do anything because your fingers broke. Yeah, yeah, I, I, then, I love um, that match. Yeah, so I mean that match was great, and then you know him get, he got hit with the Oz cutter for the one two three right at the end, right when it seemed like he had he just gained the upper hand. So yeah, really good match. Does Jay Lethal know that uh, Will Osprey does that for his finisher? The, that the, the Osprey. Same- yeah, isn't that the same thing as lethal, lethal injection, basically? No. So the lethal injection is when you flip forward and you do a handstand and your feet hit the ropes yeah. and then you come back. That's not what the Oscutter is. The Oscutter is just when you – it's basically the springboard stunner. Okay, I got you. I know they're both around the ropes. I'd never seen him do that before. I've never watched the Osprey match because I never, quite frankly, wanted to. Uh, and it surprised me. Uh, with I guess more map based. Well, not those. All those other guys aren't really scrollers, but it, I was very surprised. It uh, it fit perfectly. He's had, he's had he can have really good map based wrestling matches. Um, his matches with uh Zack Saber Jr. 
mm-hmm. are very good. Um, I mean, him and Kushida have had incredible matches. Like, oh, his match with Kushida from Best of the Super Juniors this year was five stars. That was, okay. like, one of the best junior matches you'll ever see. Uh, so, hey, guess what? Caleb can talk now. Ha! Yes! Uh, finally, I can talk. The, the chains are off. <laughs> chains are off, man! Shout out to Curtis yes. Axel. Oh, God, I forgot. I knew I was referencing something. Uh, So, yeah, we were at the, well, the the double main and the semi-main, if you will. So, uh, I got a lot to say. Um, I got a lot to say about this Tanahashi J. White match, bro. I really do. I just have a little to say. And uh, is it all right if I just kind of get that out of the way before you go on a spiel? No, please do, uh, because you haven't been able to say much all show, by all means. Yeah. Try back. Well, well, I I don't want to, you know, just talk out of my ass and be like, well, yeah, I really enjoyed this match, especially the part where that guy won. (laughs) That guy. But, um, (laughs) you know, that guy. Um, no, really, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a lot to say about Jay White and Tanahashi, um. I noticed Tokyo didn't seem too into the gimmick. They didn't seem too into Jay White. Um, I felt like just watching that, you know, Tanahashi did what he could, and Jay White, you know, did what he could, which, you know, he's kind of a rookie, so, yeah, not not a lot he could do in the situation. But, um, again, the ace of New Japan, Tanahashi did what he could. The match sure could have been better, but eh, maybe next time, you know? I don't think I, I I legitimately think the issue with the Jay White issue the Jay White situation is that Jay was a young lion and he that was his first match back from excursion with the new gimmick. So I just think the Japanese uh Josh said it perfectly with, with Cody. Cody they they knew who Cody was but they didn't know Cody, so they didn't do anything for him. They didn't know Jay White. So yeah, I get that it was a big, you know, it was it was a big step up for dude, and you know, and he came, he had a great, he had a great time in excursion, and he has all the tools, but the crowd just didn't know him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> coming from my perspective, coming from my perspective, especially from 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 what I what I like about wrestling, and how I view wrestling, if I don't care about you as a performer. I don't care why you're doing what you're supposed to be doing as a performer, then I'm out of the match already. And I come from a from a from a fan base and from a a culture that's vocal. The Japanese culture isn't vocal. At least not you know they're they're respectful and quiet and they'll make noise when they need to. But you know, so I think that was the the issue with Jay more so than anything because dude he he did he did everything he could. He tried his best. He really did. Um, so the thing is, is it's not that it, it is a different scenario. It's similar to what you're saying, but it's different from Cody to Jay because Jay was a young lion. And when you're a young lion, they do know who you are because they, they follow your career path. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you go away on excursion, especially they know where you've gone and they anticipate your return. So when he came back, they were excited, especially with the like the uh, the promo work and the angles that they ran where he'd attacked Tanahashi at the two previous shows. 
I think it was more just they didn't know what to expect more so than they didn't care. I think they did care. But then at the same time, Tanahashi is the most beloved wrestler maybe ever in New Japan history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the kind of match I thought they were going to wrestle, it didn't end up being what they wrestled. I kind of thought it was going to be something where similar to like when Randy Orton was the, the legend killer mm-hmm. and he seemed superior to everybody that he wrestled because they were old and he was, you know, this young, you know, hot yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't do that. Instead it, it was, you know, a young inexperienced guy who was trying, who was kind of floundering. The story they told was that he couldn't beat Tanahashi because he wasn't seasoned enough. Like he bit off more than he could chew. Yeah. And, ta- and they try to do like, a body part match, it didn't but work. then they, but it didn't work. And then they, they kept leaving that Tanahashi never really sold the leg. And then they, they try to get Tanahashi's big match stuff in all at the same time. Yeah. And it just, it never got the kind of flow. Like, I think it was the match structure more than anything else, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I appreciate it. Uh, un- yeah. Go ahead. Un- Go ahead. Unrelated to match quality. Tanahashi's got some nice ass hair. I'm just going to throw that out there. You're saying he has the good hair? He's got the good hair. <laughs> All right, then. What's wrong with you, bro? Uh, <laughs> Lord only knows, man. This you is know Pete that Cameron. hair wasn't real that You know that hair wasn't real that night, right? You know he was wearing extensions. Damn it. <laughs> they put one over on me. Damn it. Damn they you, you, ghetto. Um, I really appreciated the uh, the story of the match in that Jay White is a big Tanahashi fan, and they said they would always see him watching Tanahashi matches, and that was part of the reason why he called out Tanahashi because he wanted to see if he was still the ace and stuff like that. Like stuff like that gets me excited and gets me into it because now yeah, he... I know you can wrestle, but now I see why you want to wrestle. Yeah, he kept saying, I want to see the ace. Show me the ace. I want yeah. to see the ace. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest question... And that question, was his downfall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was too he was too preoccupied with seeing the ace instead of beating the ace. Winning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the biggest question, I think, in this match, and I'm going to ask both of you guys, is when are they going to let Tanahashi actually heal? Because, like, it's getting so noticeable that this dude is so injured. And he's still wrestling good matches. I mean, borderline great matches given the situation. But God, you can just tell like he's so beat up. Well, have you guys watched New Year's Dash or? I didn't heard watch about it. The results? I've I didn't heard watch about it. the angles. Okay, because we haven't really talked Suzuki, too much, right? Huh? It's him and Suzuki coming up, right? Yeah. So he was hurt the next night for sure. He was in a multi-man match and he didn't do anything like at all. Um, and then he got attacked by Suzuki and then I'm assuming that I'm pretty sure Suzuki's going to take the title off him in the next, uh, on the next show. I mean, he could keep the title, but the only, when we were doing our predictions for this, I predicted Jay White would win, not because I thought Tanahashi would lose three times in the Tokyo Dome, but with his injuries, I just thought there's. He was, you know, he needs time off. So why not try to build a big star in the meantime while they're, Agreed. you know, absolutely agree. Uh, but they didn't do that. They didn't go that way, which is fine. But I'm assuming like he's got to go away at some point. So it's probably going to be now. 
uh, Suzuki's probably going to take that belt off him, and then he'll probably go away. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, but, dude, this is the same guy who tore his bicep and instead of getting surgery decided he wanted to wrestle at Osaka Joe Hall, so he did permanent damage to himself. So who yeah. knows what he'll really do. Uh, Caleb, I guess I'll ask you. I want to ask you both this, but I want to hear Caleb's idea. Um, so it was a lot of controversy. That was a controversy, but it was a lot of talk. So the, the main three matches of this card were basically the two top guys in the company, one of the other top guys against a part-timer, and the other top guy against uh, basically a rookie. And Jay Wright's not a rookie, but you know what I mean, and Young Lion moved up. Do you think, if you wouldn't have done White, who would you have put against Tanahashi for the IC title? Who do you, who you think it should have been if you wouldn't have ran White? Because I mean... I think Jay White is going to be a big star, but I don't, like you said, if, I don't know if it was a moment was too big for him. I don't know if, the mat, if it was a match structure that threw it off. Whatever it was, it just, it didn't work for the spot they had. I am uh, a complete outsider in this regard, but, you know, just, you know, going off of what I know, I probably would have uh, had him go against a Gaijin, to be honest with you. I mean, I know that's, you're taking a chance there. That's your second, you know, semi-main event. You're putting a Gaijin in there. But I probably would have put him against Cody, to be honest with you. Well, I thought that too until Josh explained to me that Cody wasn't over. I didn't know that. I didn't know he wasn't over. I thought Cody <laughs> and was yet, over. And yet, knowing over. that, knowing that, I'm glad that I don't have the book over there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got to know the you got to know the territory before you book it. But yes. Uh, well, the the thing is, is most most fans wouldn't know that he's not over because he's been put in nothing but big matches from day one. Yeah. You know. So it's not like he's they don't think of him as a star. They it, they obviously have big intentions for him because he's Dusty Rhodes' son. Yeah. That's a big deal in Japan still to this day. Like Dusty Rhodes was a huge huge star in Japan and he's a WWE guy. That's still a big deal in New Japan. If you you know, they put Billy Gunn in the semi-main <laughs> yeah. event. Billy <laughs> Gunn and Tanahashi, yeah. yeah. And it was terrible so, match, but yeah. So they have they have plans for him to be a big star. They just up until this card that he hadn't got over yet. Um, to answer your question, if it was me, and if I'm like being realistic, I probably would not have done Abushi and him at Power Struggle Dude, because they had a fantastic match. I would have done it at the Dome. That would have made more sense to me, and that would have probably been a really really good match. Um, I would have liked to have seen. At some point, somehow, Ishii restructured to where he was in the top matches, one of them. Um, it, to me, it would have been better. I mean, who knows? Hindsight's twenty twenty. The Goto and uh, Suzuki match, the storyline, it all came off great. But, man, I would have loved to see Suzuki and, and Ishii go at it for that strong style title. Sure, sure. Uh, it's just a WWE fan and Homer, if you will, in me. I'm 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 stepping back and I'm really trying to immerse myself in the New Japan product, and uh, I see things that are accepted from New Japan by their fans, but if it was WWE, it would be attacked. And uh, I'm not trying to start a you know a, a issue here. I'm just trying to explain to you how I'm seeing things. And one of those is uh, we always talk about WWE making new stars. You know, mm-hmm. that they, they don't make new stars, this, that, and the other. Well, New Japan's had the same four guys at the top of the card for God knows how long. So You're uh, right. Now, Jay White, 
while, I mean, we know he's not on. He could be on the level of Tanahashi eventually. Right now, he's not. But I think that that would have been the per, that would have been a situation, like you said, if you want to give him the time off to make a new star. Which I know the Ace still losing the dome. I get that, and that's ultimately my issue with the Naito thing. We'll get to that next. But uh, you know, just stuff like that from a WWE fan jumping into this culture, stuff that I notice. I understand the purposes behind all they do. I really do. Especially seeing as how they're booking to a completely different audience. I get it. It's not that I don't get it. It's just that I guess more of my issue is I'm a big guy on consistency, right? So if you don't like something over here, you shouldn't like it over here either if it's the same scenario. And I just I just would like to see the Tanahashi match to me was so interesting because you have the ace who's clearly injured and kind of moving down the card a bit so Okada can become the new ace. You gotta build somebody else to not replace him, but to step up in that in that spot. Who but they're not doing it. So who would that be? I guess which is why the Jay White thing was so interesting to me as to who they put against him. I get Kenny and, and, and Chris. That was a one-time, uh, you know, dream match, if you will. But that spot that Jay White got against Tanahashi, was re- it was really telling to me of what they thought for the future for that company. Because you got to continue to build new stars. Because all you guys are, well, Okada is 30, but, you know, he's wrestled enough matches to be 50. You know well, what I mean? What, well, you're absolutely right. There's two things. There's some things... There's definitely stuff to criticize about New Japan. Two of the biggest criticisms, um, one, is that they have the worst ref officiating of any company in wrestling. Bro, Red Shoes <laughs> is absolutely a character. Their their officiating is very bad, uh, and it's not consistent, Rance. <laughs> I like that. I like uh, that. Or, it, or when it is, it's consistently bad. The other <laughs> thing is that they... They pigeonhole guys for the a lot of the times. The top guys stay the top guys for a very long time. But that being said, you have to understand part of the reason why is because All Japan and NOAA did the same thing. And they made big more money than any company in New Japan ever – or in, in Japan, in Japanese wrestling ever did. Uh, they ran with – Mizawa as being the top, top ace. Kawada being the second fiddle guy who could never you beat him, basically. His, like, perennial, like, arch nemesis. Uh, Kenta Kobashi being the heir apparent, the guy who's, like, right on the heels. But up until he, – he didn't beat Mizawa till like, for you know, till 2003. And then Akira Tawe being, like, the outside guy who could beat any of them on any given night but never really got there. And then, like, they had – B plus. Then they had like other players like Junakiyama on the outside, and you know Jumbo and Hanson and Vader. But those four guys, they called them the four pillars of heaven because they were their top four stars, and they were the top four stars from like 1990 to like 2005. Damn. And they never left, and they never stopped doing business. And Gato being a like one of the best bookers around, and also being like a student of the game. That's why it's that way, and it's probably not going to change Yeah, because they're doing better business than they've ever done before. I'm not saying it's it's completely right, but at the same time, 
if they're making money, then that's what they're going to keep doing. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, I understand it, and I, I appreciate you explaining it to me. Um, it's just... It's just, a, it's just something I notice, you know. Something I notice. One thing you can find, though. Jay White. I can't think of any Gaijin. I mean, sure, Kenny got to the, the level he is. But he didn't start there. He had to, like, work his way up from being a Like, being this cartoonish comedy junior character to, mm-hmm. to becoming what he was. And it took a while to get there. The only other guy I can think of that got this kind of push in new japan that's a gaijin in the last year's prince debit they have not pushed a gaijin like this since prince debit and trust me when i say jay white have have you guys seen what the two things that are going on with him right now oh uh, yeah he joined chaos yeah he joined chaos and, and he he's attacked going after kenny yeah he yeah so he's going after kenny so they're putting him in another major title uh situation back to back which is kind of crazy yeah and did you guys hear any of the transcript about the promo that he cut during the... Uh... Yes. He yeah, said he's so... only joining them because he knows he needs help against the Bullet Club, but he's coming after Okada. Yeah. So, So yeah, this is like a business relationship more than anything. That's what he said. He said it's completely a business relationship. He promised Okada that at some point they will be fighting each other as enemies whether it's for the belt or not, because Okada's the best wrestler in the world, and he's coming for his spot no matter if it's for the title or not. And he said that he's trying to change New Japan to where guys within within promotion or within uh, stables fight each other and challenge each other for titles, which is like a big kick in the face to the tradition of, you know, stables in New Japan. So he's like literally, his character's like, talking about trying to change the whole landscape. It's pretty exciting stuff, and I think he is poised to be a big star in this company. I, even though that, that match didn't deliver and make him into the big star the way everyone wanted it to, I think that they're not done with him yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I guess we might as well move on to probably the match that got most of the Western world to watch this show. Uh, Kenny Omega versus the alpha, quote-unquote, Chris Jericho. And I need to say, man, Jericho looks really motivated right now. Like, he cares more than I've seen him care in a long time. Because he is, everything he's doing with his feud in New Japan, every, all together, he's, like, he's knocking out the park. Well, it's easy to do that when you're having fun and you have the creative freedom to do something in a new uh, environment that you are not really like acclimated to. Sure, he's been there before, but this is like a whole new experience for him. And they're giving him the reins to do whatever he wants. And you know what? Jericho is Terry Funk in Japan right now. Seems like it. It is, <laughs> it is freaking like awesome. It. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I guys, I love this match. I really did. Um, like the Cody and Kota Ibushi match, it felt very Western for sure. And just the whole like Jericho just feeling like he was antagonizing, not just Kenny, but just New Japan as a whole. And he was a stranger, you know, coming into your home, coming into your house, eating out of your, uh, out of your fridge, sleeping (laughs) with your wife, all all that. 
that's what that's what Chris was doing, man. He felt like like some mega heel shit going on, bro. So I highly enjoyed the presentation. Chris took every shortcut and every form of cheap heat he could get to get the crowd. Like he when he got the camera and took pictures of the crowd with his middle finger in it. Like every when he beat up Red Shoe's son in front of him. Like every little thing. Look at thing your he son. Could, Look at your son. <laughs> everything he could do, man. It, it it was great. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it, man. But um, I'm I'm so. What did you give it in, in terms of a star rating before we start talking about it? You gave it a four and three quarters. Yeah, I did. I'd probably say it's about four and a half. It's not a five star match to me because it what Jeremy said it perfectly. If you have to think about it, it's not. And there were some legitimate points of the match where you could have contention. And you explained it well in your podcast. I'd like for you to do it here. But the road breaks. I didn't have a problem with... So the very first road break, actually, uh, getting into it, was uh, when Red Shoes tried to stop him and started counting him down. And Jericho looked at him and said, it's a no disqualification match, you idiot. And Red Shoes looked at him like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Uh... All that stuff was cool. The part that bothered me was when he, at the end, at the almost at the end of the match, when Kenny hit the first uh, one-winged angel, and Jericho broke the count by grabbing the bottom rope. That's right. the one that that's the one that really looked out of place. Right. So, so. with that being the case, um, and maybe this is me making excuses for New Japan, but this is just the way I and I'm not saying this the way it is. But this is just me trying to rationalize it because I'm not going to lie. It jarred me as well watching it. I was like, why are they doing this? Because we are used to, you know, if it's a no DQ match. And, you know, sometimes they do this in the States, too. They do it in WWE, and it it annoys me when they do it. You know what I mean? Consistency, right? um, The consistency in this match was that Red Shoes was trying to implement rope breaks the whole time no matter what happened. Yeah. But the problem there is when someone is – in a submission hold and they get to the ropes and the guy doesn't break it. Basically he can't disqualify that guy. Right. Right. So it doesn't mean that like the rope break shouldn't be enforced. It just means he can't disqualify anyone for not following that rule. But if, if he as a referee is actually enforcing rope breaks and someone grabs the ropes on a, on a pinfall, he doesn't, as the referee, have to render that decision. That's kind of the way I saw it, if that's the case. And mm-hmm. I did see that he was trying to enforce rope breaks the whole time. I agree. I don't think rope breaks should be part of the match if it's a no-DQ match. But in this match, we do see that, A, he's trying to enforce rope breaks, and then, B, he's also trying to enforce uh, countouts as well. So, And, again, yeah. I've said this before. Get the countout thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, the countout was the most um, jarring thing to me, to be honest with you. Well, I, I when I saw that, a couple things came to mind. I mentioned this in my other podcast. There's there's in CWA in Memphis, they used to have no DQ matches and they had countouts because the way that they the logic was just because it's no DQ doesn't mean it's no countout. The match is still supposed to happen in the ring. It's not a false count anywhere match. Yeah. So that's, maybe that's what they were thinking. Also, what's interesting is like maybe the the um, the fact that Jericho is from America, even though he's wrestled in Japan, but he's from America. 
I've seen this before where like guys come from overseas and fight in MMA and they don't under fully understand the rules in like Japan or vice versa. Mm. And so maybe it plays into that whole idea that like red shoes is like, what are you talking about? Of course there's rope breaks. And Jericho's like, you freaking idiot. There's no rope breaks. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe. maybe he doesn't understand the rules. Maybe, but I mean, uh, stuff like that, at least from what we all are used to as fans should be explained to us. And that wasn't explained, which left it up to our own interpretation, which then leads to this conversation. Like, well, was it right? Was it wrong? Um, in, in terms of the count out, I didn't have a problem with them counting, like doing the count out, even though it shouldn't have. My issue with the count out is how, how long do you let them fight before you decide, oh, fuck it, I might as well count them now. Whenever they feel like it. And see, that, like, again, with me, again, consistency, like, that fucks with me. Like, be consistent. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, and, and Red Shoes, like I said, man, that dude is a character. Because Red Shoes is almost as, as he's like, normally a ref is the, is the third part of the match, right? But they're seen, not, they're seen and not heard. Red Shoes wants to be heard, bro. Like, he wants to be a part of the match from what everything I saw. Because he is just, he's a character, man. But it was it was it was a really enjoyable match. Um, Jericho brought his working shoes. The spot where he uh, he turned the one winged angel into uh, roll up into the walls, like yeah, that was a like I most young guys aren't that quick, and he did it seamlessly. Um, the uh, another thing I heard you guys talk about, which was a, a, a just a little subtle part I loved is when Kenny got the chance to wipe the blood off his face, he did. Like, that kills me in WWE, that you're just going to let this blood just fly in your face. Like, go get a towel. Yeah. And I I've, I heard other guys say that they didn't like it, but to me, and, you know, I, I'm both ways. Like, I've admitted in the past that I'm a mark for juicing and I'm a mark for blade jobs. <laughs> okay. I like 80s race wrestling. You know, my favorite matches usually involve two guys bleeding and having blood feed. So yeah. with that being said though, in an MMA fight, if you're bleeding and you get a chance to, you know, patch it up, that's what you do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that made sense to me. And I'm not, a, and I'm not a big blade guy. Like it's cool if you bleed, but that's not a big, that's not a big deal to me. So to see somebody smart enough to say, Oh, well, you know, I'm going to do this while I can just make it. Like you said, it made perfect sense, especially considering how, um, the beauty, like I, I really enjoyed, uh, Kenny's kind of build from four or five years ago to now, and last year the uh the Bastocada, which was more about the New Japan's westward expansion and who should be over the who should be the top guy in the company, but it was more uh athleticism. I'm better than you, right? Well, this was I don't like you. I'm gonna beat the hell out of you. Uh, and I appreciated Kenny, who's never had to do that before, being smart enough to take his chances and his breaks when he could. And that, like, that's what I what I thought of when he wiped the, when he wiped the blood off. He's like, okay, well, look, I gotta, I still gotta fight this dude. I can't do it with blood in my eyes. Let me get it out of my face. Right, right now, this past year, even though they wrestled three times since their final match at G1, I liken Okada and Omega to. Sean and Brett in 95. Okay. Who's who's going to have the best? Even though they weren't feuding personally, every single night was, 
which one of these guys is going to put on the best match of the night? <laughs> Who's going to outdo the the other? And who is really, you know, you've got Brett, like, uh, uh, you know, pretty much like in 95, was, uh, yeah, like Sean was pretty much the IC title holder yeah. in 95. Yeah. And Brett was world champion. It's a very similar dynamic. It's like, you know, Omega's not the world champion, but he's trying to build this title up like it's just as prestigious. Sure. He's trying to be the real world champion by not being the champion. Sure. And I, I, th- I figured that was the reason why they made the belt and they gave it to Kenny um, in the tournament was because they know they want to expand westward. And just like they feel like it's probably better in Japan to have a Japanese world champion most of the time, I'm sure they feel like it's better to have a... North American. Champ- yeah, North American champion for North America. I mean, I, I get it. It makes sense from a booking standpoint. Although you know I would the- like to see Kenny beat. IWGP World Champ, but go ahead. Oh, absolutely, yeah. A lot of people don't realize this, but the IC title is pretty much what the U.S. title is now. When they first initiated the IC title, they did it in New Jersey mm-hmm. when they were doing shows with All Japan, or I'm sorry, All Jersey Pro. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, the idea behind the IC title was that it was going to be an international title to help them to expand into America. Their first champion was MVP. I, you, you took it out of my mouth. I'm MVP Mark, so I know that very well. Yes. Yeah, so that, that was supposed to be the idea, but then the U.S. expansion never happened, and so that never really took off and never actually took place. But a lot of people don't realize that what the U.S. title is trying to accomplish now is what the IC title originally was supposed to be accomplishing. Okay, I can understand that. Um, although I do appreciate the difference between the three. Uh, for a company which is New Japan's so unique because you know we're being American we're really selfish we feel like we're the, the centerpiece of the world right yeah uh, well New, J- New Japan realizes that well they're centralized in Japan but they want to go to other countries and have you know a belt that means something to the other countries but they also need they know the US is a hub so they got to go to they have so they have something for every country you know what i'm saying like i'd imagine that the ic title would probably well it's okada so he would main wherever he goes but you know what i'm saying the ic title could feasibly be the title that mains in europe in england or you know what i mean or in in, in australia and they come here and kenny will main here and you know whenever okada wrestles he can main you know you know what i'm saying like i get the concept you behind know, it. they they're not gonna probably do this and this is just josh smith talking like out of the side of his mouth but like i would love for the um alliances that new japan has with australia and new zealand and cmll in mexico and rev pro and ring of honor to turn into something where the iwgp title becomes sort of similar to what the nwa title was in the the, you know from like the 40s to like the 80s where when they're not on tours, I would love to see the IWGP title be defended as like the world title all over the world, and like where the champion goes on ex- excursions and like actually defends the title against top guys other places. Would you want Would you want Okada to be that guy? Because I mean, isn't the whole Rainmaker gimmick based on how much money he makes for the company, which is in Absolutely. reality true? Absolutely. I mean, Ric Flair was the same way, and he. He took that same gimmick all over, you know, to Mid-South, to Portland, to 
Sure. You know, but but that was class. but that was the premise of the belt before he ever won it. The premise of this belt that you're changing the premise of the belt with this guy. Like wouldn't exactly. the IC title be more suited for that? I you know to me it wouldn't actually matter who the champion was. I think just Okada to do would be it. Great. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be cool to do that because they they've got a landscape now where they can kind of recreate you know, the um, the territory system to a degree, but actually do it internationally. Who knows, you know? I'm, I'm just talking. I don't think that will ever happen, but I'm like... That's pretty cool. They, yeah. Because, I, I mean, Caleb is a big proponent of what the NWA is doing uh, yes. with Billy Corgan. He's Absolutely. He's a huge proponent of it. Tim Storm and Magnus and all that. Well, yeah, I, formerly Tim Storm, yeah. yeah. I think it's a cool premise. My only issue, if you're doing it with Okada, is understand this like if okada ever said he wanted to leave new japan people would be bidding like crazy to get him even vince would i i, I think so so my fear if i'm gato or whoever the president of new japan is i don't know his name is i want this guy to be so comfortable here that he doesn't want to leave and yeah when we right. go places he'll leave now if you if you send a guy on excursion or make him the rick flair of new japan my fear would be that he's he's enjoys doing this so much he doesn't ever want to come back and be a full-time new japan guy anymore yeah i mean that there's definitely that fear i mean we've seen uh talent raids in the past few years from wwe in different places well pretty much just wwe yeah so i mean that's a point one thing with okada though you know his wife is a nationally like celebrated and known newscaster a word okay yeah i mean like he's like a semi-celebrity because of the fact that he married her Kind of like how when David Otonga was with uh, Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Kind of similar. So I don't think he would really ever leave Japan. <laughs> Here, um, can, can I fantasy book? Sure. In a, in a perfect world, and I'm a WWE homer, I never wish want to wish ill against any other company, but because I'm a WWE fan, I love to see my favorites or the best wrestlers in WWE. Nothing against New Japan or any other company. Um, but I think it'd be cool, uh, if, and of course Okada would have to get assurances and whatnot, but if they got Okada and Okada was the guy that eventually put down Brock for good, like retired Brock and, <laughs> and, and Paul, and he's a Paul Heyman guy cause Okada's only issue is, and he's working on it to his credit. I've heard him cut promos in English and they're getting so much better. But the only issue is, you know, speaking English. Because uh, when he talks in Japanese, like, the translations and shit he says is, like, raw. Uh, right. But, you know, have Paul be his guy. And imagine Paul talking him up and Okada going on, uh, I don't know, a seven, eight month, nine month, when, like, when it's, like, legitimately being pushed. And I know WWE does a lot of 50-50 booking, but, like, legitimately getting a chance to Maybe not be the guy, but be at the top. I I, I think yeah. that I think that really it could work. I don't know it if Okada would believe it. With it is, uh, even if he spoke fantastic English, I just don't think. With like for instance, Nakamura uh-huh. in in America makes more sense to me because of how charismatic he is. He can bridge that language barrier and even that racial barrier. But Okada is tailor-made for Japan, and I don't know really? that his talent alone could ever really get him over in, in WWE. 
in North America. I don't know if the casual fans would gravitate to him or even care. Plus, WWE doesn't tend to really put over guys that they didn't make unless they recreate them in their image and they become WWE guys, you know? Well, AJ, <laughs> AJ is literally just AJ. But I get he's a unique situation. I disagree with you, though. Uh, Nakamura was a guy that I worried about coming over because, and forget the language barrier, he's so different. And I get that he, like, NXT worked for him perfectly because he's an attraction, right? He only, you only saw him on NXT maybe twice a month. You know, and, uh, you know, you saw him on live events, but I'm talking about television-wise. But uh, he's so weird in a good way. Because I love the dude. I'm not talking ne- 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 negative about him, but he's so weird and he's so charismatic in his own way. But America's funny. Like a lot of people don't get it, you know. And it's it's sad because watch him and you'll get it. But a lot of people don't necessarily get it. Whereas Okada looks like a million bucks. Like even if you, even like even if he can't talk and you know he won't get over with just his wrestling, you can look at the dude and say, "Well, damn, he's like a star." Just looking at him, you can tell. He's like a star. And the entrance, and the chains, and the flashy-ass robe. Like, you can look at dude, that dude, and if you saw him come out on Raw at the 8 o'clock hour, you wouldn't think, oh, who's his job? Or you'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. That might be interesting. I mean, you could be right about that. One thing is, I went to a WWE show just recently here in Tampa, mm-hmm. and I will say that, like, it was an eye-opening experience for me because... You know, I'm a Smarky fan. Mm-hmm. Complete. I'm a Smarky fan. And I go to NXT shows in Florida all the time. And not that everybody agrees the same, but a lot of the like ways I think about wrestling and the guys I like and the styles I like are kind of reflected on those shows, like the, the local indie NXT shows, you know? Okay. And I go to independent shows, the same thing. You go to a seven or $8,000 house, seven or 8,000 uh, attendance house show for WWE. Mm-hmm. And you realize like the rest of the fan base don't think the same way I do. Man. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you know, like I was like, wow, the three biggest guys who are really over. And actually the only two that were really, really, really over it's Cena and Orton. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody who's even a close behind them. The next closest would have been AJ who was definitely over. But when you compare his pops to what Cena and Orton got, it's not even in the same stratosphere. And I was like, wow. And not that I'm down. I'm not down on either of them. But, I mean, I never experienced that really for myself to be like, yo, the fans love these two guys, you know. And then Nakamura comes out and Sammy comes out and and we're trying, you know, like we were trying to get chance going for them. Uh Uh-uh. It's not. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not. Because – the, the casual fan hasn't they don't understand it or haven't got it or haven't got on board with it yet. It's the but same some thing. Some of that some of that's the booking though. Oh, absolutely. I'm not I'm not admonishing them cuz again, the biggest problem WWE has in my opinion is 50/50 booking. It's the biggest problem because nobody really gets over. Um but it's the same thing with the Roman Reigns conversation and we don't have to we don't have to really go in, in depth about this, but people say Roman Reigns isn't over. Well, go to the house shows. Roman is Roman is loved like crazy on house shows. It's television. And even, and I've, I've seen this with my own eyes, true story. Um, after WrestleMania in Dallas, 32 was it? 32. Um, 
remember that the night after that, that Monday, AJ came out and said, I want the title. That Tuesday, SmackDown was here in Houston. I went. Roman got booed like crazy. After the show was over, they had, it was AJ and, uh, it was AJ and Roman versus Jericho and Owens in the dark match. When Roman came out to save AJ to start the match, the crowd cheered like crazy because it wasn't on television anymore. No exaggeration. Yeah. It's just because it's, it's cool. And I, I know there's legitimate gripes with Roman and all that. I get that. But, yeah, it's a completely different experience. Uh, which is probably lead us into our next match. The final match. Uh, that I really, I don't have the heart to watch all the way, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the heart to watch it all the way. I really don't. I yes. started it and I don't want to see the finish because it's going to hurt my heart. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, like, I am a big LIJ fan. That's what really is pushing my New Japan fandom is seeing Tetsuya Naito and the stuff he's doing and, you know, in the group. And, uh, yeah, that was his moment, bro. And Okada stole it from him again. Well, I mean, the biggest crime committed that night had nothing to do with the match and everything with what what Okada was wearing. So, yeah. (laughs) Yo, I've seen Yo. so much hate for dudes' pants. It's just hilarious. Bro, I've buried the crap out of those pants on uh, on my podcast. Uh, that's so weird to say my podcast. Like I my have a, podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, it's really weird. Like I have a podcast. I never thought I'd be saying that. It's such a weird idea. Sometimes yeah, I wonder, well, like, how, how long can we keep doing this? Like, is this going to go on for years? Like, what kind of commitment did I just make for my life? You have a fairly uh, successful podcast because y'all do good numbers. <laughs> but um, with that being said, yeah, I buried the crap out of those pants because I, bro, if he had worn those pants last year, I would not have voted Okada as wrestler of the year. Oh, God. Is that bad? <laughs> They're that bad. They're that bad, bro. They really, God. they bring down every, they bring down his talent. They bring down his title reign. They bring down New Japan as a company. Oh, if his, shit. <laughs> his entire gimmick is about how much money he makes the company. He is losing the company money. By every day that he wears those pants, they're they're getting under. The company is. It's <laughs> bad, bro. I That's... hate those pants. Wow. That's the Caleb always throws out hot takes. That's the hot take of the day. Jesus Christ. New Japan is going to fail that is as the... long as Okada wears these pants. <laughs> Yo, you, you want to undo all the good work Tanahashi did? Wear those pants some more, Okada. Because we're going back to 03 <laughs> New Japan, okay? The Dark Ages. Shit. Wow. Oh, I love Yeah, no, the it. pants are pretty I bad. I love it. The pants are pretty bad. I mean, I'm not going to bury the whole company because he wore them, but the pants are pretty bad. <laughs> The pants were pretty bad, but the match was pretty freaking good. Yeah. Man. Rance. Man, look. Man. What what do you have to add about this match besides I don't want to see Okada hit the Rainmaker? By the way, let's can we talk about that so I don't have to talk about the finish? Oh, let's oh talk yeah, about this. let's talk about I don't the want to talk about the finish. I don't want to talk about the finish. Let's talk about this, yes. Caleb hates the Rainmaker as a finisher. Yeah, I do. It's a short Why? arm lariat. It's a short arm lariat. Why do you hate that? Well, hold on. Before you before he answers that, I do need to give full disclosure that his oh favorite wrestler God. is Sami Zayn, 
whose finishing move is a corner kick to the face. Yeah, it is a corner kick, but it has a distance buildup. So to me, the dumb casual or the dumb wrestling viewer, I see that distance buildup and I think, oh, that made a lot of impact. Now, when I see the Rainmaker, yeah, you can say, oh, he spins him around with the wrist control and, you know, whiplash or whatever. But again, I'm just seeing a short arm lariat. That's all. But they flip, Caleb. <laughs> that that's that's that makes it different. Don't you get okay. that? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Jake Roberts finished guys with the short arm lariat. Yeah, but no, Jake Roberts finished people with the DDT. What are you talking about? He also finished guys with the short arm lariat. Damn. Hmm. Well. Actually, I can't. Damn it, Jake that. Roberts. I literally I thought cannot you... back that claim up. I don't know if that's true. It might have just been a signature move. Oh, oh you go. Oh. Hey, man. Oh, I don't, you wrote, you I don't appreciate with it. that. You should have rolled with that. He was actually about to say he was wrong. You should have rolled with that. I uh, I appreciate your honesty. That is very admirable. But we both know, like, this is – why the fuck are we talking about Sami Zayn? This is a New Japan podcast, but damn it. If The only reason he's doing the Yakuza kick is because he can't do the brain buster. I'm Listen, just saying. This would not be an SMC podcast if there was no mention of Sami Zayn. Amazing in the I, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Also, I feel like we should ask you if Eddie Guerrero were to have watched. Oh my God. Kingdom. What would he say? I figured Carl wasn't here, so I wouldn't have to say this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, viva la raza! There it is. We got all that shit Yo, in. Um, I was actually at a show in Tampa a couple months ago where this fan got into the ring and I saw Kyle O'Reilly legit Shit. in real life hit him with the hell of a kick but for real for real and I was like all right I believe I, I buy that as a finisher <laughs> but Kyle O'Reilly like sometimes when I when you watch Kyle O'Reilly wrestle I wonder does he know it's fake like does he know it's work <laughs> it's scripted well he's a he's a shoot fighter too isn't yeah, he yeah no that's what I'm saying like I don't know if he knows like the purpose of this is to not hurt each other. I don't think he gets. Yeah, that. does he know when to? Yeah, does he know when to pull his punches? I, I mean, it could be confusing. <laughs> I really don't, because I've I've seen him hit people so hard on a regular basis. Like, I feel like he's probably gone into business for himself. One matches he shouldn't have just because he decided to shoot. Listen, guys, when that fan got in the ring, I saw like, have you ever seen an M- or in an anime? When like someone has a breaking breaking point, and you see the like little lines <laughs> next to their eyes like shoot out. Yes, that's what it was like. Kyle Riley saw that guy and he was like, "Yes, this is my opportunity!" <laughs> Ding! And he ran full force <laughs> and kicked this dude in the head so freaking hard. It was the hardest shoot kick you've ever seen. He kicked this dude. Have you guys seen the the female um, referee in NXT? Yeah. Just, yes. Uh, whatever her name is. Yeah. He kicked this dude so hard that his foot ricocheted off this dude's head and kicked her in the head. Oh Luckily, she's a pro wrestler, so she took it like a G. Luckily, the, the fan was so inebriated and intoxicated that his body was so loose that he barely felt it anyways. Oh my Otherwise, God. he would have been – if he stiffened up, he would have died <laughs> in that freak. Wow. Yeah, so I believe – I buy that fini- – I buy the hell of a kick as a finish, like – Oh, oh my God! So, so what we're saying. So is, what you're saying is don't up the 
rail if Red Dragon's working. No, no, I got you Don't one better. Don't have ever. I got y'all one better. I mean, of course not. Yeah. What we're saying is next year at Wrestle Kingdom, it should be uh, Suzuki versus Kyle O'Reilly for the Never Openweight Championship. Now, let's book Suzuki and uh, Sami Zayn, the ultimate underdog versus the ultimate status. Oh, God. (laughs) No, I know. I know Sami can sell sell his ass off, but no. He doesn't have to sell. It's going to be real. That's fair. Yeah. It's going to be real. Oh, shit. We're talking about all uh, of yep. this just because I don't want to talk about the finish of Naito Okada. <laughs> this is hilarious. Look, man, my feelings are so hurt. My feelings are hurt because it's been a long, long time since I cared about a dude so much that I <laughs> I didn't I didn't that I completely cared did not care about the fact that I knew it was it was scripted. Like I wanted this dude to win so bad for so many reasons not just because i love him not just because he earned it given what he had to deal with four years ago but because okada is, is look dude's great i'm so sick of seeing this dude with the championship i'm so tired of it and i and there's no diss to him at all i'm just so sick of it and then he just took my dreams away and my feelings yep. are hurt oh and yeah 18 months is a long time for sure my feelings are hurt like, people were trying to say that, and again, if you guys listen to Keeping Strong Style, and I'm sure Josh can explain it now. Every, Josh explains it perfectly, which where it makes sense, and I get it. I, not that I don't understand it. It's just that uh, somebody tried to tell me, well, uh, you know, they're trying to make him have the longest reign and prove him as the greatest New Japan IWGP champ of all time. Well, my response to that is, well, if he lost, He's... if he lost last week... Does that mean that his reign is any less important? Oh, absolutely not, in my opinion. You don't no, know. it's not. But if it keeps going, is it greater? It's only if only yes, only if he has worthy opponents. But there's nobody worthy anymore. You beat I don't everybody. Know about that. He's beating everybody clean. Like it'd be different if like some of these if some. Like, the Kenny thing, I get because they went to a draw, you know, and all that. But, like, he's beating people clean. Absolutely mm-hmm. clean. So, at some point, like, he's supposed to wrestle Sonata at whatever the next show is. New mm-hmm. beginning, whatever. Right? New beginning, yeah. I have no interest in seeing any of that because there's, as much as I love Sonata, there's no way in hell Sonata can beat him. No way. Right. But I think the idea is eventually he holds this title so long that the fans are like, he's going to lose. Like, they start buying into the fact that there's no way he can keep holding on to it. So any title defense could fathomably be his last. Yep. Couldn't you argue that that was them at Wrestle Kingdom because the crowd was so absolutely behind Naito? Okada had his group of fans, but the crowd wanted to switch so bad. Well, New Japan, they book tragedies just as well as they book triumphs. Okay. And so this is very similar to Wrestle Kingdom 9. And it's the reason that when I was um, predicting this, I saw everyone saying Naito was going to win, and it just reminded me of 2000, uh, 
2014 or 2015 all over again where everyone was like, dude, it's Okada's time. He's the new ace. He's going to be Tanahashi. And it made all the sense. He was he was in the same spot Naito was. And they didn't put the belt on him. Why? Because there was more money in him losing and rebuilding and coming back and getting the belt after the fact. And it made him bigger. I agree with that. that. Yeah. And that's what they're doing here. They're they're gonna put that belt on Naito. There's no way they're not going to. I think the difference between this, they're very similar, but the difference is Naito had his chance to do that at Wrestle Kingdom Eight, and the crowd voted against him. And didn't he lose that match anyway? Well, the difference there is no one cared about that match. Right, but he but uh, and I agree, I agree, and that, that I think that adds to this. But it was still for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Right. And and didn't Okada win that match anyway? Yeah, so Okada won that match, but the, the deal there was that the fans didn't even want that match to happen. They didn't want to see it at all. Right. So so it wasn't even like it's not even kind of comparable because it wasn't anyone's time. Like they didn't believe it was just like when Roman got booed out of the freaking uh Royal Rumble in twenty fifteen. Yeah. It's like the same thing, except actually it was worse, to be honest with you. It was worse. Like, he was coming out cutting promos to dead, silent crowns, or they were, like, cussing him out. They did not believe in that. The fans turned on him. And that's why his character, his character, which is so amazing, it translates to even us, who some of us are, like, casual fans, and we get Naito, and we buy into it. We, Absolutely. But, but, like, for the, the Japanese fans who are more inundated to the product— this is a dude who they hated, and when they turned on him, it destroyed his, him as a character entirely to where he had to go away and come back completely new, and then he turned on them in return. It was like when a girlfriend breaks up with you or like a guy breaks up with you, whatever, and then you have to like get the hot bod and come back and show out and act like it doesn't bother you, but you're carrying that hurt from all those years ago. Sure. Like that's what it, that's what it was like for Naito. The crowd's the girlfriend, and he's he's the 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 ex trying to show like it don't matter. And I I I mean I love the tranquilo, and given where he came, what all he just explained, and for him to come back, and not only does he say basically turn on the fans, but he just he just I have I have never seen a wrestler care so little, and all he really cares like in real life, what I'm talking about is in the character, like he cares less than Lasombra did, and Lasombra started that. Like he yeah. really doesn't care. Like it's he's just so it's so much bullshit to him. Like to point to prove that point, at New Year's Dash when Jericho jumped him, Jericho jumped Naito. If you guys didn't know, listening, uh, Naito, you think Naito would fight back, right? Nope. He just rolled and laid down and looked at him like, "What's up?" Like this dude just jumped you from the crowd. He just, I love it. I, that's stuff like that. Like really endears you to him as a character especially like you said knowing where he came from because it's not his fault the fans didn't the fans turned on him like it wasn't roman's fault when the company chooses you that's your job you do what you're told and he missed out on what was what he's wanted to do since he was a little kid right and so knowing all that knowing what he had to go through just to get just to get back to new japan knowing what he's had to go through to Build himself back up to the point where he could get to this point, and the story, and I know behind that mask walking out that he was just bawling. I know he was. He had to be. 
and then to have to lay down. Behind that mask, his eyes, he looks scared. I, he, might, he looked tentative. I don't know if I'd say scared, but I mean, I can so see that. One of one of the things, you haven't finished the match yet, and I don't want to spoil it, but one thing I will tell you, here's what happened. And here's why I knew, and I'm, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not a fantasy booker. I don't make bold predictions unless I really, really believe them because okay. I'm not that kind of guy. But you can go back and listen to our podcast. And I told Rich and, and Jeremy this, and they both were like, once I finished telling them this, they both were like, man, you're almost swaying my decision. The reason I knew Naito was going to lose is because of everything you're talking about. His tranquilo and all that, mm-hmm. it ended at Wrestle Kingdom and he started caring. And that's when I knew he was going to lose. Oh, okay. Here's why. When he won the belt in 2015, he freaking hated the fans. He didn't care. He threw the belt. When he won the IC title, after he, lo- after he lost the belt, it didn't bother him. And then when he won the IC belt, he wanted to destroy it. And he wanted to destroy uh, Tanahashi and all that. But when he won that, when he won that G1, he really cared. And I started seeing the cracks to his Lij character. Okay. And I started seeing, I started seeing like I was like, I see the Stardust genius under there. And I think that this is where the storytelling is so important in New Japan. When this match started, he came out trying to act like he was Lij and Tranquilo. But in the middle of the match, he started busting out his old move set that he doesn't use anymore. He started using Gloria again. He started. Yep. He, tried, he tried to use the Stardust Press, which he hasn't used in forever. You don't, like never. And he started using all his babyface mannerisms because that guy who lost four years ago still there came out in the. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you, but I might as well since we're on the podcast. Here's what happens. He beats he beats Okada. He, he hits Okada with his third Destino of the match, lays him out, and he's got the match one. And his eyes pop up, and he's smiling, and he's happy, and he's shocked that he's done it. And he picks Okada up, and he's and he's posing to the crowd, bro. And and he's the Stardust genius. He's not he's not Lij anymore. He's that that wide eyed baby face that he was before, and it's under there still. And that's where the internal struggle is. And then he tried to go for a second Destino, which he should not have gone for. And he got caught in the tombstone and he struggled out of it because he realized, like, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, clearly. And he and then when he tries to walk out of the ring, he's acting like he's uh, Tranquilo again. But he clearly wants to cry. And he's clearly destroyed in this moment. And And that's where the money is. The story is... Is he the Stardust genius or is he Lij? Which one is it? And if he would have stuck with what got him to the dance and not cared the whole time, he would have beat Okada. But because that internal struggle is still there, that's why he lost. And that's where this story with uh, Chris Jericho is going. Chris Jericho is trying to get a rise out of him because he sees the same crack that we're talking about. It's the same storytelling that we're talking about. He sees that he's really the Stardust genius putting on this lij front and he has to go one way or the other or he's gonna he's not not gonna achieve that next level of stardom that's deep i i yeah that's i, I need to finish the match that's really deep and i mean look that that's a that's an amazing story and if that's where they're going with this and it ends up being bigger for him that's amazing 
That's great. But my only que- my only question my only question to that is this. Will Naito ever have a bigger moment than that moment to win the championship? And I say that Pro- be- and I say that because real quick. I say that because it's one thing when you've never won a title, then that moment that moment is important. But when you've won the title already, then it's about where you do it and how you do it, right? Right. He's already been a world champ. So now it's about the moment in which I win it, how I win it. So will he ever have a bigger moment than he could have had at the Tokyo Dome? No, you're right. Probably not. But here's the the, the bottom line is they're never going to go with him as the ace. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Okada's going to be so young. Okada will be, probably be until he's 45. Damn near. You know, they wouldn't. They, they did the same thing to Nakamura. He's the new Nakamura. Okay. That is what his role is. The big star, biggest merchandise seller, most popular wrestler. He's never going to beat Tanahashi. Nakamura Nakamura in the beginning was starting to beat Tanahashi, but really, he was never when the, when that was the main rivalry, he was never going to beat Ta- Nakamura on the big stage for real because Nakamura was the ace. And Okada is never going to actually get you served. Now, Nakamura will suffer a big loss to Naito, and I think it will be this year, either at Dominion or it will be at Sakura Genesis. One or the other. But ultimately, Okada's the ace, and the guy that that usurps him, it's not going to be Naito, and it's sure as heck not going to be Kenny Omega. Even if one of them gets the big moment, Okada's going to stay the ace, and it's going to be someone else years down the line, who the company has faith in on a higher level. So my response to that is, that's what, number one, that's why I think Kenny goes to WWE, because he knows he'll never get any higher than he is now. And number two, if we're just forecasting, and again, this is this is fantasy booking, Caleb, jump into this too. It might yeah. not, he might not even be on the roster right now. But who can you foresee being in contention for the next ace? The the closest thing I can see just from the you know bits and pieces I see, read about, etc., is Kitamura. But do you, do you, so you really think he you, does he have that much potential that he could ten years on the line be the next ace? You think? It's really hard to, to tell, man. Because oh, yeah, I yeah. mean. <laughs> you know, if uh, Okada stays healthy and such, they might their ace might be a young lion right now. We don't know. He might not even be a their young ace lion might, yet. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I yeah. don't know that we could answer that with any kind of certainty. Yeah. The one guy that the company has shown... The thing is, they have faith in Kitamura, but the thing is, he's older. Oh, okay. So they have to, and he's bigger, and he doesn't fit the mold of a young boy anyways. Like, he already basically is a gimmick. Just look at the guy. Sure. Yeah. So that's why they're accelerating his push so quickly. The truth is, if you watch him in the ring, even though he's gotten better, he's nowhere near as good as any of the other young lines. He's not as good as because he started wrestling a year after all of them. So they're trying to accelerate him as quickly as possible. Because they want to capitalize on him now because they need to because he's way older than everybody else. And he's almost ready anyways. Um, I don't know if there is a guy there. The one guy who, like, uh, Kawato, Harai Kawato, he's their main young boy. 
He is going to go in February. He's going to CMLL to do his excursion. Uh, but he's small, so, like, he probably will come back as a junior. But they see him as being, like, the ace of this class. Okay. And so I don't know if he's going to come back and be, like, the ace of the juniors. But he is someone they've got real faith in. They've had him teaming with Tanahashi and things like that. I don't know. The thing is, is, like, when, when Okada came back, nobody, and I mean literally nobody, thought that he was going to be what he was now. It's just that Gato and them, they knew something that the rest of us didn't. And I assume if they are smart and they keep, you know, if who knows, you know, companies have hot streaks for several years and then it fizzles out. I don't know if New Japan can keep up what they're doing right now forever. But if they can and they keep booking this smart, I don't think we would. I don't think anyone can predict who this next ace is going to be, especially since Okada's only like 30 something. Yeah, it'll be a while. Like I said, he'll probably be it to his 45. He stays healthy, you know. Yeah. So. I thought I thought this year was going to be Shibata's year. To be honest with you, it should have been. I think he would have been the next. Yeah. Guy. But. But I, I also think Shibata was gonna like, not win the title, just like maybe maybe like be in the G1 finals or something like that. Oh, okay. It w- it probably would have been Shibata versus Tanahashi. Probably. Because Shibata was so every year. You know, you always have that. So, and I, the way I look at it is, you know, you always have your big four, but every year you have that one guy who gets pushed up to be not be on the same level. But like Abushi was in for Wrestle Kingdom Nine uh, because that was his first real big heavyweight match against Nakamura. You know, you you have your guys, you know. Uh, and I just felt like that was this was Shibata's year after what he had been doing, and him and Okada had a great match at the beginning of the year, right? Was it in? March or February? Am I am I thinking? Oh, you're talking about when he was Tiger Mask W at the anniversary show? No, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm talking about Shibata when Shibata faced Okada. Oh, you're talking about in April? Yeah, April. As, yeah, at Sakura Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a five star match from what I from what I've seen. Something close to it. Outside um, of for me, this year out at as great as this year was outside of. The first Okada and Omega match, and outside of the G1 final, I had that like number three on the top matches of the year. Yeah, Sh- Shibata was an amazing performer, and it's a shame that uh, you know, he had to go through what he had to go through. But yeah, that's just something that's that's interesting to me is who's next, who's the next guy, and you know, the show was a successful show. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but man, I'm gonna have that bad taste in my mouth. I guess. I feel about Okada, I guess, how most WWE fans feel about Roman Reigns. Is that it's not that he doesn't deserve the spot he's at. It's just that, you know, at some point, like nobody somebody else needs to be pushed to the level he needs to be pushed. If WWE did with Roman Reigns what they did with Okada, he'd be the biggest star in the world. Or, I'm sorry, with uh, Naito, they'd Roman Reigns would be the biggest star in the world. I would no, I I mean I I can't disagree with that, but He's already the big star in the company full time. But he would be on like that Rock Austin level. That's and wh- again, I'm not saying I disagree with you. In fact, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. The issue is WWE is a much bigger company than New Japan, and they have much more scrutiny than New Japan. So, do you have the opportunity to say the top guy that we've had for the past four years, we're going to send him away? 
and bring him back different. They didn't have to do that. But if they would have turned him at any point after the fans turned on him, yeah, he'd be a bigger star. See, the, see, I'm so now that that now that and we'll probably have to talk about that another time because we've been on this damn podcast like. You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, we've been going. That, you you had some hot takes on this match, like you you kind of voiced them, like what you know let. Tell us what you really like, kind of thought, like overall, basically for this decision. I am a, I'm all about consistency in in my life, but especially in wrestling. And if WWE did this, they'd be pe- people would be at, having pitchforks. I feel like so many, so many New Japan fans give, and fans who may not be New Japan fans but are down on a WWE product or leaving the WWE product, you know, that that anything New Japan does, they'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Good, bad, or indifferent, even if it's wrong, they'll praise something that they'll that New Japan does that if WWE did it in the same aspect, they'd hate. And part of my part of that is the Kenny Omega Chris Jericho match. Great match, great build. But just looking at it structurally, it's one of the biggest stars, probably the most organically over star, and Naito, you say that, but against a guy who was completely out of the company and came back. That's pretty much, that's almost no different than Goldberg's, Goldberg's return, but that was met with so much disdain and hatred. I understand the in-ring process and the match and all that. I get that. I'm not saying that. But it's just so many things that are so similar on both ends, but WWE always gets shitted on for it or attacked. Whereas in WWE, they wouldn't. Roman Reigns has almost lost, has pretty much lost almost every big pay-per-view match he's had all year. It's a fact. It's, 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 it's the truth. Uh, I get, he, beat, he beat Undertaker, which Undertaker shouldn't even wrestle that match. And he beat Brian at Fastlane. I can't remember another match he won on pay-per-view. And the Shield beat the New Day. He beat Cena. He beat Cena. Yeah, he Thank did. You. He did beat he Cena. Beat <laughs> he beat Cena. Yes. And he beat Braun. Yeah, that's a fast lane. And Braun yeah. beat him every other match. Yeah, Roman did end up losing that feud. Roman lost that feud very, like, completely. He beat Handley, yes. I'm sorry? He beat Kevin Owens. No, he didn't. Kevin uh, Owens won. Kevin Owens won. That yeah. Match. Owens, oh, yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, we were there. It Kevin Owens more, won that match. It was more like Owens surviving him, but yeah, Owens <laughs> won over in a few. Absolutely. But the point I'm trying to make is the 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 notion about Roman is still to this moment, well, Roman's the most overpushed guy in the company. Roman loses a lot of matches. Roman's been out of the main title picture for almost the entire year, other than the the match at yeah. uh, at SummerSlam. At the Rumble, yeah, or yeah, at the SummerSlam, yeah, yeah. Right, but he's been out of the title picture. But the, 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 the notion is still that he's over-pushed. But AJ's been pushed harder than him. Kevin's been, Owen's been pushed harder than him. Like, you got other people that's been pushed harder than him at that level. But because it's Roman. But we look at Okada, who is almost in the same situation. But he's, he's like, I had asked uh, Caleb the, the other day to tell me how many singles matches Okada's lost all year. And it was two. Now, granted, they don't wrestle as many singles matches as WWE does, and I res- I get that. So there's a difference there, but 
when it comes down to end, like he barely loses, but nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I um I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think you you make a lot of intelligent points, and I agree with a lot of them. But a couple things, and I'm sure you'd agree with some of these to keep in mind is like, um, in WWE because it's so uh, story like so so much like uh, promo driven and screen time driven with like the the Monday Night Raw and all that. Yeah. Ultimately, you're right. Roman, I, I actually did a search and he like out of the top 10 winningest records in the company, he was like number 10. So he didn't have the best winning record out of there's many guys who had better winning records. In fact, strangely enough, Rich Swan had Rich Swan had, <laughs> had more. He was number one for the most winningest guy on TV and pay-per-views than out of everybody in the whole company, which is strange. Yeah, uh, Neville was like three, but anyways, yeah. But at the same time, when people talk about him being pushed, it's not just the fact of wins and losses. It also has to do with how much he's pushed as being the top guy. I agree. And I think the yeah. it, and I think the issue there, it's not that people don't. At the end of the day, anyone who's a real fan will acknowledge Roman is talented, and Roman has all the potential in the world to be a big star. I think it's that they just don't like the direction of where his character's gone. Because they haven't listened to the fans, and ultimately, like, yes, there probably was a, a time where they probably should have gone in a different direction with his character, and maybe it would have benefited him better at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, though, with Okada, there's a big difference between Okada putting on nearly five-star matches with everybody he wrestles all year mm-hmm. versus Roman being a great wrestler, but n- n- Never, he not putting on anywhere near the kind of quality of matches sure, sure. that Okada does. Okada had the greatest I mean, wrestling almost, year. Almost ever. nobody does. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the difference. Another thing, too, is like, yes, there were lots of people that were upset, but one thing that's very interesting, it's like, yes, Okada beat Naito in the dome, and yes, you can clearly hear that the fans were ready for Naito to win. But the fans were not dejected and they were not booing and they were not upset when Okada won because it's very similar to like Jordan on his six, you know, championship wins. He's the best and, you know, the the best guys can go up against him and, you know, he's the best and that like they get put away. And I think that's what they're trying to portray there. Um, You know, there are people who can disagree with it and, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion and. I'm not saying that I didn't think Naito should win. If he had one, I don't think that would have been a terrible story to tell at all. It's just not the story that they're going to tell sure. right now. And I don't think they see more. I don't think they see money in that. I think they see more money in the fact that Naito's the most popular guy. And if you build this tragedy, there's more money in him coming back and winning the belt later after being put. I mean, how tragic is it that this guy fought for four years and did all this stuff? Just to get to the spot where he always wanted to be, and he gets there and he's not good enough. I, I think it's an amazing story. So all all I'm asking all I'm asking though is, so many times I hear in WWE, we say, well, this guy was buried because he didn't win his match. Braun was buried because he lost to Brock. Right. Right. Stuff like that. But Braun has, in every situation since then just gotten more and more organically over 
the shit he did, like organically, not just oh I'm doing crazy shit so I'm over. Like he goes out there and just power slams somebody and the crowd's losing their mind. It's organic. Um, now let's say knock on wood, he went he beats Brock, he wins the match at Royal Rumble and goes into Mania as world champ. Like he, could. I'm sorry. He could. That's a direction they. That's a swerve they could throw. So, so is all, all I'm saying is that is, in the situation you're saying, that's a great story, but fans will give it the opportunity. And I understand uh, that a lot of fans don't have the same equity with WWE as they do with New Japan. That's what it is. It's that equity. And see, to me, that don't mean nothing. Like I respect that that means stuff to y'all, but to me, because I see things differently than everybody else, and I am a WWE fan, and a lot of what they do makes sense to me. Because I realize it's not booked towards me, you know, like I see, like a lot of what they do makes sense to me. Um, I can understand it. That doesn't mean I like it, but I can understand it. Um, So to me, it's all the same. And I respect that it's not to other people. I do. But there are certain situations where it's flat out the same and people will just find anything they can to hate WWE, but to find a way to like it about New Japan. Yeah, I mean, that's not totally untrue. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are just biased, basically, is what you're saying at that point. And yeah. that's totally... But there's a difference between a company who has sh- has a track record of paying off their losses with a payoff versus times where WWE will do things like what you're talking about and not really pay it off in the long run. For instance, I think here's a big difference. Like for instance, the Joe match with Mm -hmm. Lesnar, Mm -hmm. Joe was booked so strong after that match Mm -hmm. during that match that after the match, if he had come back later and challenged Brock again, he was still strong. I agree. Even though he went down with one F five, it would be, there'd still be money in that match. Braun, even though he was pushed as strong as he has been after the match, because he didn't come off looking that strong in the match, it literally did hurt him to a degree. I agree. And I, I agree and I think that I think that's where some of the complaint was was that Braun's definitely the bigger star between Joe and Braun at this point. And you know, if they're gonna do that match, here's the thing: Okada in this match with Naito, Naito basically had the match won and. Mm-hmm put him down with three Destinos and looked like the star and everything like that. The next night when he came out, no one really saw him as being like a tragic. If you, if you watch New Year's Dash, mm-hmm. he's more over after the match. He's a, he's bigger actually after the match, as crazy as it sounds. And then he has a, he has a built-in storyline with this Jericho attack. Whereas like Braun has had to kind of rebuild. And that's where a burial really is. It's like, if the guy has to rebuild himself and get his heat back, that sucks. Yeah, and I also think a big part of it, man, is with the brand, with the brand split, there's such a lack of credibility at the top of the card with WWE with a lot of the people. Uh, you know, it's they have a lot of depth, but their depth is more mid card wise than top of the card. So Naito yeah. moved straight from the world title feud to Jericho. That's like a, you know, that's another top of the line card, whereas. There was nobody feasibly for Braun to move to, to move on towards, so they sure. had him beat everybody up, which is kind of now that's another problem is that they fell into that uh, comfort zone of just letting Braun beat people up because fans like it, 
and they're not telling any story with it, but fans like seeing it. So, like, as much as he's beat Curtis Axel, you know, or as much as he beat Bo Dallas, like, or the other day when he beat Rhino and Heath Slater, just because. Like, fans like it, but it's not forwarding any story. Um, what we saw him do Monday was forwarding a story. Because right. people were waiting for him to see, well, what would he do against Brock since Kane's been attacking Brock? And Braun came and took them out literally with, with one shoulder tackle and then put, grappling hook, put him down, and he walked away. Like, five minutes, I'm in, I'm out. Uh, but no, I mean, I get you. It's, 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 I don't... I don't want to make it seem like I'm so dense that I can't understand it or see the other side of it. It's just I would like to see more understand. As much as I'm expected to be understanding coming from my side to the other side, I'd like to see the other side be more understanding to my side. And I get it that yep. it's, it's cool right now to be against WWE to not like WWE. And WWE has earned that to an extent. They have. But yeah. they, they actually have. But I think people view WWE so differently before the show even starts. Number one, people automatically think, well, WWE isn't going to do what I want them to do, so I'm not going to like it. Because like you said, people of your ilk, the fans that like the things you like, at, go to the shows you go to, watch the, watch the stuff you watch. You went to a, a, a show where they catered to the different type of fan base, which is what they catered to on television, and it got over. You saw the, the difference of it. And so many fans want them to cater to what they like, which is why New Japan is getting so over, because New Japan is doing that. Uh, so automatically, before they even turn the show on, they're already jaded. Caleb does it. Me and Caleb have the argument all the time. Before the show even starts, Caleb's like, oh, well, it's this and it's that. Well, damn, watch the show first. <laughs> the, the one thing that I will say with this is whether you stand on the side where you're like, I don't think there was very many fans who were sitting on the side of Okada being like, I think Okada should win or, you know what I mean? I think – Yeah, almost... I think – yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think, like you had said, anyone was like, yeah, Okada's the right guy to go over. But personally, <laughs> yeah. like I was thinking I wouldn't mind either way. Right. I think I... universally like, Naito is loved by almost everybody. Yeah. And so that's what – you know, kind of created a compelling like uh, story there. But at the end of the day, whether you're on the side where you're like me and you're like, hey, I see what's probably going to happen. I see they're going to probably put Okada over, which was the minority, or those who are like, hey, this is Naito's time. It's been his year. He deserves it. And it's time for him to have this moment. Either way, I think ultimately, if you put, if you just give a little bit of leeway to New Japan, you'll, you'll see. Hey, and if they don't pay it off the right way, I'll be the first one to criticize the crap out of them and be like, yo, this was a bad call, disappointment of the year. But I believe based on their track record and based on what they've done in the past, I do think that this is going to be something that will ultimately pay off and benefit both guys in their careers and storyline and be something where we get more compelling matches and more compelling stuff to talk about and watch. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to that. I really hope they do. I just know he'll never have we I mean, you even agree with me, he'll never have that moment ever again. And so. and who knows? Maybe he will. I hope he does, because he deserves it. Omega deserves it. There was nobody hotter in the world. Omega, I'd I'd argue Omega was hotter last year than Naito is now. And I say that because a lot of the Western world knew New Japan, paid attention to some of the stuff they did. 
but it was that Omega build and that match that made people but really you know be what? like, oh, shit. Oh, New Japan is the shit. Not with Japanese fans, he wasn't. But it's like he Jap- over because he speaks he speaks Japanese fluently. Right. No, I'm not saying he's not their guy. He's he's seen as their guy. But last year going into that title match, if you look at the house they drew and all that, there's a reason for it. It was one of the lowest that they'd drawn, drawn in like three or four years. O- Omega was not seen as someone who was capable of actually beating Okada by the Japanese fans. They firmly had faith in Okada. That match actually made Kenny a bigger star so that later on in the year, it was believable that he could beat him and actually made him. If he had beat him, I don't think the fans would be reacting to Kenny the way they are right now. For sure they wouldn't be because they didn't believe in Kenny. Kenny was a comedy act, and he was a cheater the whole year prior to that. That was his first like actual fair one-on-one like big match that he had up to that point. He cheated the whole year. He was a he was a heel. Yeah. That match made him. And if he beat him, in our now to the Western fans, we have a different perspective. We see Kenny differently than the Japanese fans. They did yeah. not see him that way. Sure. Now it, now with Naito, if Naito had won, it would be an ultimate warrior beating Hogan moment. Okay. But they took it away. Because they didn't want to pay it off that night. They're going to pay it off either in Osaka Joe Hall or they're going to pay it off in Sumo Hall. One or the other. They're going to pay it off. And here's the thing. Those are his talents. So so He's, could it – so are you basically – are you – so can, I'm, what I'm deducing is is that uh, – is the to- like I know for, for WWE, WrestleMania is to be all in though. Everything is built around that. And you have big moments all through the years, sure, but everything is built toward the – you know, the – that's the granddaddy of them all, and you know this is where superstars are made, and so on and so forth. Is it that in New Japan, where the Tokyo Dome is the biggest show, it's not to be all end all of the company? Is that what it what, I, what you're telling me? Oh no, it is. Here's what I'm saying. Excuse me. The Ace will not lose at the Tokyo Dome unless he's losing to an Ace, pretty much. Got you. But the Ace can lose at SummerSlam. Or at Survivor Series, which is basically what those other two shows are going to be. Yeah. And the thing is, those towns are are Naito's towns. They're not Okada's towns. Okay. Okay. I got you. I mean, you know, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, we've, we've really talked about this enough. I just want to finish with this. My issue is in that Naito didn't win the belt. He'll win the belt, you know. He's gonna he's gonna win multiple more championships, I'm sure. My issue is that there was a guy who was the hottest in the company and deserved to have a moment that he didn't get. No different than if Daniel Bryan didn't win it. If Daniel Bryan didn't get the world title at WrestleMania 30, the company was the dumbest company. They'd be the dumbest people in the history of the world. That was his moment. Nobody could take that away from him. And I felt like that was Naito's moment, built or not. Like it could have, it could have been for the, not for the belt as long as it was his moment. Uh, but I'm looking forward to see him possibly getting it later. And my issue with that match was those freaking pants. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the pants, man. Yes, the pants, man. Well, guys, we had a fucking marathon. That's what we just had. Well, shit. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom was six hours. That was a marathon, so I figured it. Yeah. We just went triple Broadway, brother. (laughs) Um, Hey, Josh, um, you're on a keeping it strong style, right? 
Okay, guys. Some... Yeah. So yeah, this has been the mo- this is going to be the most challenging part of the show because I'm not on social media, and let's be clear here. Jeremy Donovan, shout out to Jeremy. He's my co-host on Keeping It Strong Style. He is the like he's the the person that puts everything together. He does the show, the recording, the editing, the uh, marketing. I'm just the guy that shows up and talks. <laughs> oh, dude, I I completely understand. I am I am that to this. So I am the James I, Boyd. I sympathize. I am James Boyd to Jeremy's Rich Latta, essentially. I'm just the talent. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. So, hold on. Ah. Nobody in Social Suplex is more just a talent than Carl. <laughs> Carl yes. is Carl doesn't even have a Facebook. Carl does nothing but show up for the show. And I'm not burying him because that's, that's one, legitimately one of my best friends in the world. But Carl shows up, does his job, and then you'll hear from him next week. But here's a couple things that I would like to put over. I'm going to read the text that Jeremy sent me so he could remind me what we needed to do. So you can follow us at keeping at KI strong style on Twitter. We have a new show every Tuesday. You can subscribe to us on the social suplex network. Um, we are currently running a contest. Uh, you guys should have done a better job actually promoting this on your show, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we are the social suplex network is running a contest right now where if you will go on to any of our different, uh, means of listening to us whether it's on stitcher itunes uh podbean where else can you find us pretty much everywhere anywhere pretty much yeah yeah. anywhere just search social suplex podcast network social suplex podcast network if you will go on and leave us a review leave us that the way that jeremy likes to say that five star dave Meltzer review and then if you will email jeremy uh, actually, I don't know where you can email Jeremy. Where where can they email you guys? Jer- well, er- email Jeremy at Jeremy at socialsuplex.com or you can email the pod at the SMC podcast at gmail.com. We're we're running a contest right now where, where if you will email us to any uh, after you and show us the uh, review that you've done. This is running. I don't know how long it's running. I think it's just through the month of January, maybe February. I don't know. We're going to do a drawing. <laughs> And if you get chosen, we will buy you any wrestling pro wrestling T-shirt that you want on the WWE shop, on ProWrestlingTees.com, whatever you want. Leave us that review, and you will be put in the drawings for that, and it will help us to get more uh, views and uplinks and loads or whatever it is that people – however it helps us. I don't know. We're trying to get over. Um, <laughs> and then next Tuesday, we are dropping our uh, – keeping it the first annual Keeping It Strong style – 2017 year-end awards show so be sure to check that out we're also going to be uh giving you the latest coverage uh following new year's dash going into the fantastica mania shows and then going into the uh road to uh, new beginning shows and then the new beginning in sapporo and the new beginning in wherever that is we're going to be covering all the new japan and the hottest takes and uh all the strong style action that you can uh, handle okay i think i did for your job yeah, hell yeah. Impressive. I think I know exactly where to find you and all that. Uh, Rance, what's your Twitter, sir? At It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Follow the pod at the SMC Podcast. Hey, follow Rance, Carl is at... there... Yeah. Oh, oh sorry, go ahead. Where sorry, do I follow yeah. Carl at? Follow Carl at Curvin, S-M-C, K-E-R-V-I-N. 
Hey, do we have a, is there like a podcast on the social suplex podcast network? Again, type that into your podcast search bars. Anyway, is there a podcast on that network that's based out of the UK? No. Oh yeah. Not at all. The Rick and Clive show, right? (laughs) Yes. Rick and Clive. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna follow Where can them I at, follow them on Twitter? Follow them at Ricky and Clive and follow the Big Brother podcast, One Nation Radio, at One Nation Radio. Um, yeah, we, we, we're trying to do this uh, network thing, man. We The beauty of our network is all four of our shows are absolutely, completely different. So, and yeah. And to uh, my show, we like to affectionately refer to it as Two Nation Radio. It's really good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, that would make sense. Or what, whatever the number two is in Japanese. We're trying to bury... I think it's uh, dose. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to bury those bums over on that show. Those, those bumskies. Um, <laughs> those jabronis. Uh, I do I do take uh, offense to uh, your remarks of you being the ace of podcast. I do take offense to that. But you We're, know what? We are the ace of podcasts. You guys, can be the, you guys can be the ace if you want, but we're the top guys, okay? That's just that's how it is, man. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Well, thank, thank you guys for having me on the SMC podcast. Hopefully this uh, episode actually airs this time. Oh, God. Damn, I forgot shit. to tell y'all. I didn't record shit. none of this shit. Oh, I'm no. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Josh, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure, man. It really has. This is the Bob yeah. Backlund versus Ric Flair of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Uh, check out the website as well. We uh, They cover the news on the wrestling news on there. They cover results, all that. I almost didn't give my Twitter out. You can follow me at SMC underscore Cal B. This has been my first podcast in a month now. I, I am glad to actually, get back yeah. at it. Yeah. But isn't I mean, it weird, isn't it weird that like Caleb has the most like radio voice of everyone on the, on like social suplex. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah. And I, Small town Oklahoma fucking, kid. Yeah. Yeah. The some, first, some Oki. And the first time I heard Caleb on one nation radio, I was like, yo, why does this guy sound like he should be on like one nation or like on a uh, wrestling observer? It's freaking <laughs> weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just need an in. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Uh, how do you guys usually close out your show? Um, with this being a New Japan show, I'm probably going to close out with good ni- uh, goodbye and good night. You mean good night and goodbye? How about well, see you later, fools? See you, guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes.